Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek. Spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. My friends, the time has come. This is episode 100 of the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I can't believe we made it this far. I would say I can't believe we're not getting canceled, but nobody's paying to have us on here, so you really can't get canceled. You can only stop making it. And we're not going to do that. We're coming at you fully forced with a crazy panel of five people, including myself. I am, of course, uh, Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey in Region 13 of Starfleet International, based here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am joined by uh, four of my very esteemed colleagues. We're going to do something totally crazy and different today, uh, which we will get into in a moment. But I'm going to start out around the horn. And again, I, when I say around the horn, my partner, Todd Oxtra, constructs these videos. I don't know how he's going to cram five of us into a YouTube screen. But you know what? We're going to find out. But I'm going to start from my extreme left with uh, my number one captain in the whole wiggity wide world. That would be my delightful wife, April Carden. Uh, April, this is your first time in a very long time being back on Code 47. How are you doing? Yeah, no, you did an episode way back when, a Voyager episode. Um, All right. Yeah. Forgot about that. Very long time ago. But how are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Um, to my uh, moving around clockwise, we have frequent, frequent contributor, um, Star Trek super duper superstar, Missy Merchant. Missy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charlie and everyone. Very excited to be here. Awesome. We have um, uh, up-and-coming SFU and uh, Code 47 superstar Jen Watson from Chicago. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. And naturally, I would be nowhere without my original wing dude, Peter Stein, <laughs> uh, repping Enterprise today. How are you? Doing all right. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into this. You know, obviously, I've known since, you know, numbers are numeric uh, that we were coming up on our 100th episode. You know, I started I started recording uh, this show in uh, in the fall of 2020 uh, during, you know, COVID times when uh, my best friend and business partner, Todd Oxford, said, hey, we love talking about Star Trek, but you Love talking about it so much. You should do your own thing. You should have your own show. It should be a spinoff. This was not long after co-op mode uh, had started on our network. Uh, when you know Todd and, and and Mark Carabin, our other partner, were talking about video games all the time. So I got it rolling, uh, and I've gone through. A, you know, my original co-star, his name was Alex. We were together for a long time. Uh, when he left, a couple of other folks came in. That didn't take off. Then I ended up with Peter. Kay came along. Then you know Missy April jumped in. Jen has been on a lot of our shows lately. So there's been a lot of great contributors to the show uh, over the last three years, and I am enthused. But it was Todd that gave me the idea for this, uh, because I believe he made mention of when uh, when Code 40, or excuse me, when Co-op Mode hit their 100th episode, which was several months ago, they took on a March Madness bracket-style kind of challenge uh, where they pitted 
games or something or systems. I, I don't know. I don't do the video game stuff, so I'm going to admit that I didn't. I didn't explicitly listen to that one, but I know for a fact that it was a March Madness style bracket challenge. So this is what we decided to do with this with this great panel of people uh, that's going on here. We have taken over uh, eight different shows, if I did that correct. All of the Star Trek shows, with the exception of Star Trek: The Animated Series and, and Star Trek Prodigy. Prodigy. And Prodigy, exactly correct. We've taken all the shows. Uh, every show got five episodes, which was some were chosen by me, some were chosen by committee of the people uh, who are on this show with me. And it was Jen who did really the biggest legwork here. <laughs> she she helped construct uh, the bracket uh, in a way that she felt that the competition would happen fairly. Uh, and she also gave us uh, the benefit of these great summaries uh, so that we're not really shooting for blind. So um, without further ado, we're just going to jump right in on it. Uh, I am going to be representing, for the purpose of this, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Picard. All right, little aberration for technology, but we are back. So we are going to begin. Uh, as I said, I will be taking care of TNG and Picard. Peter will be taking care of Enterprise and TOS. Missy will be Discovery and was it just Discovery? Just Discovery. Just Discovery. April will be Lower Decks and Deep Space Nine. And Jen will be taking on Voyager and Strange New Worlds. So let's get it rolling. Jen, you happen to be up first with our <laughs> first selection, the Voyager episode, Equinox, a two-parter. Right. Go for it. Okay, so we have... Uh, the description and all of the summaries here I did pull from Memory Alpha, so credit where it's due. Um, that is uh, Season 5, Episode 26, and Season 6, Episode 1. Voyager finds another Federation starship, the USS Equinox, stranded in the Delta Quadrant. But they also find that the Equinox crew is harboring a dark secret, um, which is that the Equinox crew has been intentionally killing some aliens to use them as fuel to get home more quickly. And Janeway doesn't like this. No uh, she takes her quest for revenge against Captain Ransom to extremes when she orders the use of photon torpedoes against the Equinox. Tra tractors a neutral ship, nearly kills an Equinox crewman during an interrogation, and relieves Chakotay of duty when he questions her actions. Um, so that's that one, and that's up against uh, TNG Chain of Command. All right, and I will take that one on. This is uh, another two-parter. Uh, season 6, episodes 10 and 11. Uh, Picard, Worf, and Dr. Crusher are reassigned from the Enterprise by Badmiral Necheyev, or one of our long list of nasty admirals, uh, to a secret mission. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is under the command of Captain Edward Jellicoe, fan favorite, uh, who immediately starts making changes, much to this may of the crew, and this is really all just in part one. Uh, Captain Picard's secret mission fails, leading him to be captured by the Cardassians as he is tortured by his cap captor, not captors. Uh, Captain Jellicoe and the Enterprise attempt to prevent a war from the Cardassian Union. They're obviously inevitably successful, and Picard is rescued, uh, but not without some pretty permanent damage to his psyche, a.k.a. there are four. Wonderful performance by uh, classic actor David, whose last name we're going to Warner. Thank you very much, David Warner. Exactly. Um, okay, it's judgment time. April, what's your pick? Um, 
I am going to go with chain of commands. Cool. Uh, All right. And I, I just really enjoyed um, seeing how the Enterprise crew was working with another captain. Right. Substitute teacher. No doubt about it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you got it. Missy. Uh, I am going to go with Equinox uh, strictly for the very intense, uh, almost roguish Janeway. I really enjoy that. Most deaf. Peter. Um, I'm going to have to go with Chain of Command. Uh, not to say anything bad about Equinox, but there's some really, really good performances in Chain of Command, and the, the crew dynamics bring out a lot of... Uh, at least early on healthy debates mm -hmm. <laughs> about what the chain of command is. It's not the chain that you're beaten with until you figure out who's in rotten command. Right. Um, but it's, yeah. So it's interesting to see the crew doing different dynamics and then also how torture is ineffective, but they do it anyway because it's a power trip. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, there's a lot of good story elements there and great performances. No doubt. All right. Well, I think it will uh, not be surprising that this one was actually pretty tough because I really did enjoy Equinox. Um, it did kind of perpetrate a end of season trope where Janeway goes a little crazy for a little minute and then she ends up coming back down to earth. But I think it's really difficult to argue with the power between David Warner and Patrick Stewart's performances in Picard in part two of, of Chain of Command. Uh, some of the finest, again, uh, psychological acting, I think, that we end up seeing in the series. So that one is going to end up getting my vote. Jen, take us home. Um, I'm going to vote for Chain of Command. I know I'm presenting the Voyager episodes, but Equinox <laughs> is... a surprise. Uh, Equinox is not my favorite Voyager episode. We'll okay. just put it that way. I didn't choose the episodes here. Uh, I'm presenting them. They were chosen earlier, so I got to put everything in the bracket. Um, but uh, it was randomized. And uh, no, Chain of Command, it's just a, it's a stronger episode. It's stronger storytelling. And the performances are just a lot more. I could get into it a little bit more. Uh Equinox is not super memorable for me personally. I totally understand. Okay, so, so. we have we have our first winner. What I'm going to do is I'm going to move down the bracket, and then we'll kind of move back up to the top again once we've reached the the bottom, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. So okay, so the the round resulting uh, will be a TOS episode versus a TNG episode for the next round of that one. But in the meantime. Our next two competitors, now Peter can, now Peter and I are going to go mano a mano, as it were. Uh, <laughs> Peter, your episode will be Amok Time, and mine will be TNG's The Measure of a Man. So you're up first. Uh, so Amok Time, Season 2, Episode 5 of the original series. Um, suffering the his first affliction of Ponfar, first time we see it. The Vulcan biological mating urge, Spock must return to Vulcan to marry his betrothed to Pring, or he will die. However, when the Enterprise arrives, complications at the ceremony may endanger Captain Kirk as well. And they fight. You're welcome. 
which so, returned in Strange New Worlds. Fun oh, fact. my goodness. All right. Uh, hold your thoughts. Uh, or I can't remember. Did I speak? No, no I read mine, and then we, we end up winning. Yeah, read yours. I'll read mine then. So uh, TNG's Measure of a Man Season 2, Episode 9. Picard must prove Data is a legally sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demanding his reassignment for study and assembly come on down the line. Uh, and this same episode did have repercussions in Star Trek Picard, season one. So it's a storyline that did end up uh, going on. So, okay, April, pick a favorite. Measure for Man, absolutely. It, I love the episode, and um, historically we've seen that type of event take place multiple times in the court systems. And it was amazing to see it reflected on screen in this, in this type of a way. April does have a legal background, just in case you're wondering. So that's not surprising. <laughs> um, uh, Missy also has a legal background. So I'm kind of curious uh, how, what she thinks. Uh, mine's going to go more counseling and emotional. I'm going to have to say a muck time because if I hark back to TOS, that's one of the episodes that always stands out. It's the first time that you can really remember Spock, you know, cracking his logical ways and giving into the biology of it. It's a great fight scene. I hate to pring, so I was not sad that she wasn't (laughs) more involved. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go with a muck time. Oh, cool. All right. Peter, you were vying for it, so what's up? Um, So I'm actually going to go for Measure of a Man. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. I quite enjoyed the philosophy in this episode. Um, I enjoy the defin- how they have to struggle to define what it is to be a sentient person. Um, this is a topic that comes up regularly. Um, and so I think that this one's a good one because um, it handles the topic in a good way. It, yes, we're, we're separating it by putting it on an Android, but it's a good way. It shows some of the best of Star Trek where it takes a sensitive issue and then puts it frames it in a way that's not a two by four and then use and then actually like tells the story and lets both sides present and we could we can see which arguments work which arguments don't um but then i mean we all we already know what the outcome is because like well we've experienced this character before we know he's a person right but to see how uh, bureaucracy and all that crap has to move through it and how those arguments happen. And even if you don't agree with them, sometimes like Riker, you have to like, you have to go along with it. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to follow the chain of command. You got to follow the chain of command. Um, so I, as fun and as good as a mock time is, I think that there's the, the meat that is the measure of a man is just, there's just more there for me. So it's a, it's a measure of a meat. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's really hard to really, that wasn't a funny one. Okay, uh, I I too have to echo the sentiments. Um, the measure of a man is not only one of the finest episodes of TNG, always coming up in lists like this, but I think speaks to the highest caliber of what Star Trek can really do, which was speak to us about the human condition through that science fiction lens, uh, robots and aliens and what have you. Just really kind of reflect back on what we really think is humanity who has rights and why and it just continues to be more and more important uh as time goes by and the landscape of of such things change for all of us so that's that's me jen take us home um i'm going with measure of a man it's one of my favorite tng episodes um and i think it's also 
the first episode of TNG that really shows us what this show is really going to be. Because as we know, those first couple seasons are rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, oh, okay, this is where we're going with this. And it became the show that we all know and love now. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm nothing I can say that hasn't already been said. I hear that. Cool. All right. Well, we are now sliding into our first uh, two new competitors. We're going to have a Lower Decks versus an episode of Discovery. So, April, you're up first with the Lower Decks episode of Reflections. Yes, this was season three, episode five. And Mariner and Boimler work with Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. And Rutherford... Challenges himself, and I'll be totally honest. I kind of remember this episode. I don't remember like every bit of it, but yes, but, that is the description. Okay, all right, and we have Star Trek Discovery's number one passionate fan, Missy <laughs> Merchant. Break it down for us. Which episode? I don't have the bracket. Oh God! I guess we get that information. <laughs> context uh, is for kings. Context, yeah, is, for context kings. is for kings. Yes. If you're if you're if you're following along with <laughs> following along with the home game, it's context for kings. Uh, context for kings, season one, episode three. It's our first look at the Federation, approximately six months after Michael Burnham went rogue on Captain Giorgio and initiated the Klingon War. Fun stuff. Uh, it kind of sets the pace for the season one arc because we also get introduced to Captain Lorca. We get introduced to Paul Stamets, the uh, mycologist named after the real life Paul Stamets, who works with NASA to do explorations as to what fungi can do to further space exploration. Science! <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, it's funny. The first two people in the queue are the people who did the reading. So, April, <laughs> pick a favorite. Okay. Um, context is for kings is, um, I mean, I appreciate the humor in Lower Decks, but, um, I, I really did like this episode of Discovery. All right. Missy, why waste our time? (laughs) (laughs) Can I at least say that that when I'm at a convention, I always try to embody that episode of Lower Decks? (laughs) (laughs) And and not be a Boimler, or be a Boimler, not a Mariner. But uh, yeah, Disco all the way. Yeah. Yeah. But if someone pulls off your pip, do you go full Boimler Psycho? That's the question. (laughs) Nobody decides, probably. (laughs) Right. It could happen. All right, we got a Disco, we got a Disco, and then we got Peter, what's up? Uh, you got a squeaky yeah. mouse. That's what you got. I do have a squeaky mouse. Um, I'm going to go with um, as much as it pains me. I'm going to go for context is for Kings. Um, <laughs> as much as it pains you. Oh no. Um, ju- mostly because the, for me, the lower decks episode was a little disjointed. Um, little, so the, the, yeah. the discovery episode flowed a little bit better. The for the lower decks, it was just the AB plot, just kind of it was just a weird mix. I mean, that's what lower decks is known for. But it was it was just <laughs> it was just a weirder mix than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So gotcha. 
I will continue that sweep as much as I'm I'm uh, wild for lower decks and I'm I'm sometimes willy nilly on discovery. Um, there's no doubt that this is you know a, a very pivotal episode that sets the tone uh, for the series, not only for you know the big um, who you know whatchamacallit that we get in the middle of season one with with Lorca's character, but really um, you know kind of setting the pace. I think the recent portrayal of Seven of Nine from Borg Drone to now the Captain of the Enterprise at the end of of Picard um, really uh, shows that, you know, Michael Burnham from Convict to now the, you know, Starfleet Jesus at the end of the 32nd century <laughs> um, that she becomes, you know, so, but it, but it all started right here. So yeah, Discovery's going to get my vote here too. Jen. Lower decks. Oh, <laughs> I, no, stand, stand up for your convictions. Yeah, I'm so, um, Season one of Discovery, I I couldn't really get on board with it. It was not, I wasn't sure. Um, for the record, I do like Discovery quite a lot. But that first season, just, I, I wasn't sure what to do with it or where it was going. And this episode of Lower Decks is hilarious. I love that Boimler goes completely unhinged in this um uh, like job fair that they have a convention, whatever. Like it, it reminds me of being, you know, in a booth at a convention going, Hey, come look at my art. Come look at our organization. Right. right. Join us. I, I do some charity work and it's a fun thing to kind of pull people in. And it really reminded me of that experience. So I've got a little bit of a personal connection with that. And For I sure. mean, it's so strange to compare a season one discovery episode with, a lower decks episode at all because it's apples and oranges. I mean, yes, right. it's all still Star Trek, but it's right. completely different in tone <laughs> and scope and everything. So I'm just I I love lower decks. And I'm gonna... <laughs> so do I. That's why it pained me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. When, when you got a winner, you got a winner. Okay, we're moving on into a Voyager versus TOS head off. So Ooh. Jen, back to you for the year of hell. And then Peter yes. is going to take on TOS's Space Seed. So go for it, Jen. All right. We have got Year of Hell, uh, Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9. Obsessed with restoring the Krenim Imperium, no matter the cost, a Krenim military temporal scientist creates changes in history that all but destroy Voyager. With Voyager almost destroyed, Captain Janeway risks everything to rescue Paris and Chakotay and stop Anorax from continuing to tamper with the timeline. Mm -mm -mm. That was that was that one was always very hard for me to watch because that poor ship. Oh, it was it was tough. But anyway, Peter, you've got you've All got right. you, you've got a conspiracy to talk to us about episode twenty four. <laughs> the Enterprise discovers an ancient spaceship, the Botany Bay. <clears throat> Carrying genetically enhanced supermen from the late 20th century Earth and their enigmatic, at that point, warlord leader, <laughs> Khan Union Singh. Ooh, my, my, my. April, kick us off. Oh, this is a hard one. Um, oh. I, um, I know you'd expect Voyager. I know. Um, I would actually going to go with the original series. For this one, I space seed. Yeah, I think that was a good episode. 
and the introduction to something that we actually knew about from the movies because I saw the movie first. Well, we, all, yeah, we all did, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, m- most of us anyway. So, Misty, this is this is weird territory for you because you you are you are you are a disco person. But yeah, break it down. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna have to go with TOS. Agreed that you know the introduction of Khan just so kind of pivotal to the rest of I would say the Star Trek franchise. So, TOS for me. For sure. Peter, this is an easy one now. Come I on. mean, we big surprise. I'm going to go with Space Seed. Um, there's there's a lot of good moments here. Good performance from uh, Ricardo Montalban. I know some people think he hams it up, but, you know, it works. He's a megalomaniac warlord. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, so. is, it, is it ham versus ham with Shatner? What, exactly. what, what, do you, what do you get when you get two hams together? A sandwich. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to go there. Um, <laughs> ham so. sandwich of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, so we get like, yeah, we, it's just a great episode. We get the, you know, the miraculously appearing metal pole out of the engineering console. Uh, so that's always fun. <laughs> the, the, um, the the fight scene in that, that that is taken from like probably 15 feet away when it couldn't be any less obvious that it's two different dudes fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. That, that happens many times in the original series. But, <laughs> but like just the, the way that you also have like um, the Lieutenant... Uh, Marla McGivers. Marla McGivers. I was like, Marla, Marla, whatever. Uh, how Marla like decides to go with Khan because he, because he has such a presence and a charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, it like, it has that warning of like, sometimes we have these demagogues who can like get us riled up because like, they're just so <laughs> the bad uh, boy. <laughs> they have such personality. Well, it's not just that, but like they have personality and they convince you that they're right and that they have right. things that they need to do. Um, and then you also set up how uh, Khan is like very, I'm going to take over. I didn't know that space was even an option, and now I want to take it over. And then yeah. you eventually get the wrath of Khan. So like, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing that got tied into, right? Um, but it's also just a good episode in and of itself. For so. sure. Well, it's it, it's tough to bounce off that echo. Like I said, Year of Hell is really tough for me to watch because oh, poor ship. I love yeah. Vo- Voyager's Voyager's chilling on the wall back there, not blown up. But yeah, how can you mess with Spacey? Two spectacular performances. Uh, it tees up the emotional powerhouse that is Star Trek Two. Um, yeah, can't argue with it. So Space Seed for me, Jen. Year of Hell. <laughs> Via kind of class tricks again. Um, I Space Seed is an excellent episode, and I'm not going to try and say that it's not. But this this is also one of my uh, favorite Voyager episodes. This is one that I would have picked um, given the choice. Um, mm-hmm. I I like the idea of. Um, the timeline shifting and how they deal with that. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of gets erased eventually, but like um, the original plan for this episode was that it was going to be the entire season uh, of season oh, four. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was, and then like the producers talked them out of it because they weren't doing year long storylines. Right. Yeah, time. It was too close. So, yeah, not far enough. Um, right. uh, but yeah, my, that's my votes for your Ravel. Cool. I it's love it. Two-parter. So. It is a great two-parter. All right, moving on. The next bracket is, oh, Peter, you, this is one of your favorites, or at least I think it is. DS9's The Siege of AR558 versus Picard's The Next Generation. You go first. I'm doing DS9. 
You can right. go first, dear. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, April uh, can uh, do that, and uh, I would say I would edit that out, but I'm not going to do that. So, April, please <laughs> give us the um, summary. <laughs> sorry, I was trying to find it, so it was a good, good pause there. Um, yes, the siege of AR five five eight season seven episode eight. During a supply run to AR five five eight, Cisco finds the defending Starfleet unit with over two thirds. Sorry, um, with over two thirds of the troops dead and the remaining soldiers' morale extremely low. When the Defiant comes under attack, Cisco, Bashir, Dax, Nog, and Quirk choose to remain on the planet, which is about to come under attack by a much larger contingent of Jem'Hadar soldiers. Ooh, man, oh man. And then I'm bringing in the new kid uh, from Star Trek Picard, the episode called, boy, this was a lazy title, The Next Generation, come on now, uh, season three, episode one. Uh, after receiving a cryptic, urgent distress call from Dr. Beverly Crusher, who he's not seen in 23 years. Hmm. Uh, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard enlists the help from generations old and new to embark on one final adventure, a daring mission that will change Starfleet and his old crew forever. Fancy. Um, April, let's start with you. Um, I actually think I'm going to go with DS9 here. Although I enjoyed the Picard episode and I enjoyed um, that season. Um, but um, just everything about this DS9 episode that I remember, I think um, it was, especially because a lot of DS9 is war related. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really pivotal. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Missy. Uh as much as I enjoy season three of Picard, I was still not in it at this point, and I feel a lot more emotional pull towards DS9. Again, the war aspect and everybody deciding, like, no, we're on the losing end of this, but we're still going to try and do what we can and stay behind. DS9 for me. Yeah, Peter. Uh, hands down, Siege of AR558. Um, this just the way that they handle the the foxhole thing here is amazing uh the emotion of the marines when you first get there um how they're like they're struggling but they're still holding and then and then cisco and everyone staying behind sets up an, another great storyline with nog for later on um but you you get some of that horror of war whereas like a lot of times in Star Trek were just like, oh yeah, well the Bajorans they went and dealt with some of that stuff, and but mostly we're just hitting here in fire phasers, fire photon torpedoes, and we don't really think about like, well, war is gonna suck in any century, and so it really it puts a face on that, and like we can't just treat like, you know, the Marines over here as like crewman number six. It's like, oh no, it's a red shirt. Oh no, like, but like there's actually like some seriousness to it, and like these people don't have to die. If we can help it, let's 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 see, save who we can. Right. Um, so it's just a really really good episode, just for that reason. So most definitely, and and I I will also echo 
uh, that simply because, yeah, this was in uh, the, the final season of DS9, and it was, you know, a serious case of everything had gotten really real. And you get to a point where you get one of your supporting characters, Nog in this case, that you really look like he wasn't going to make it. And, you know, he, he suffered the loss of a leg, which, of course, in, you know, 24th century parlance oh you lost a leg you get a fake leg it's like star wars get a fake hand um but yeah you're right it did set up the uh the it's only a paper moon episode a few episodes later where he deals with that trauma um which uh missy i'm sure you can appreciate watching that episode kind of the you know what, what that looks like in real life so um yeah that's definitely gets my vote hands down that final season of ds9 i think you you couldn't touch it in my opinion so jen um, I'm going with DS9 also. Clean sweep! It's our yeah. first one, I think. This is... It is. This episode just... It, it it hits all the right emotions. It tells a story that needs to be told, especially in this last season. And Peter, like you said, it, you know, we see fire phasers. We see from the bridge. We don't always see it on the ground. Um, and the fact that the characters that they chose to tell this story are like Nog, who's... a uh, ensign at this mm -hmm, point, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's Ezri Dax, who's never seen combat. She talks about how, you know, Jadzia's seen war and her other hosts have seen war, but Ezri hasn't. And she's like confused by this. And the fact they're bringing in like just newer people and we're seeing the story through their eyes um, is really great. I think it's a really great, effective storytelling method and that's just an excellent episode all around awesome good deal okay heading into heading further on down the low row oh my gosh peter hey look we have a mirror mirror problem yes you get to you, you are running into this and you're reading both you're reading them to yourself so this is going to be great you got a tos and an enterprise so uh yeah. you got mirror mirror versus enterprises twilight so take it away all right so season two episode 10 of the original series mirror mirror transporter malfunction sends kirk mccoy scotty and uhura into a parallel universe where the federation is replaced by the evil terran empire kirk is a despotic captain and spock is a cunning henchman with a goatee shenanigans ensue especially because the evil duplicates are now on the enterprise in our universe uh, and then enterprise uh, do 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 where to where to go? There it is. Season yeah, three, not, episode eight. Episode. <laughs> yeah, the name is do to do. Um, the episode is Twilight. The effect of a Delphic Expanse anomaly leaves Archer unable to form any new long-term memories. Twelve years later, he wakes up one morning and is stunned to learn the outcome of the human Zindi conflict, the loss of Earth, and the near annihilation of the human race. Whoops! And as when I went to rewatch this episode with some friends and as it is a note in this, in the thing, I don't remember this episode either. And if you can't remember this episode, that is appropriate. Yes. Dramatically. <laughs> probably, probably also doesn't score a vote. All right, April, kick it off. Um, mirror, mirror, you know, all of the mirror universe episodes, I think in all of this, this series, I are always favorites of mine. Yeah. Totally. Gotcha. Missy, you know, mirror, that mirror mirror is a big part of discovery. So what, what do you say? <laughs> uh, even without that, I'd have to go with mirror mirror as much as I love enterprise too. Uh, 
Twilight not one of the better episodes, I don't think. And I'm really not a fan of all the anomalies and the Zindi stuff in season three. So I'm going to go Mirror Mirror. Cool, cool. Peter, no, no, probably no big surprise here. Um, I'm actually going with Mirror Mirror on this one. No big uh, surprise here. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I know I'm fighting myself, but I guess the Mirror <laughs> Universe wins here. Um, as good as, like, Twilight has some solid stuff, especially between T'Pol and Archer, but I think just the the dynamic and the fact that Mirror Mirror introduced us to the Mirror Universe in an interesting way. I know some people think the Mirror Universe gets a little bit overused, but this is the first iteration, right. um, and we get to see some of that. <laughs> can't be um, overused. It can't be overused at first. Can't be overused so. if it's the first one. Yeah, right. Um, so, no, and we get it. the classic uh, Mirror Spock, Yeah, uh, and you just can't really beat evil it's goatee spock very dominant, <laughs> dominant in pop culture references since then you know you know someone's got an evil twin they got evil as goatee yeah. um i loved uh i did love the enterprise twilight because it uh it definitely had you know uh, bits like uh, it kind of made me think of battlestar galactica you know the, the the vestiges of the human race but nothing beats mirror mirror i mean it's it's great the outfits um nichelle nichols has a great role fighting off you know skeevy mirror sulu um you know mirror Chekhov is a weasel every just everybody sucks in the mirror universe and it's just it's fun to, uh, to see them go at it it's great to flash back to our regular universe and then see those terrible characters and spock's line at the end it's, it was a lot easier for you as civilized men to behave as savages than the other way around and this is why it took me about five seconds to figure out that these weren't you and so yeah yep. ab- absolute hands down winner there so jen um, my notes for this say you don't see other series doing their take on Archer's Twilight verse. Mirror, mirror, it is. <laughs> also, oh, there. are you saying are you saying that Twilight beats Enterprise Twilight? Regular Vampire Twilight beats. <laughs> oh, no ouch. comment. <laughs> oh, that's very fair. Oh my I god, mean, I think it's pretty clear, but right. yeah, I, oh, I mean, I was the one who put the summaries together and i go i don't remember this episode oh i did God. rewatch it just yeah. in case yeah. but it's, when i first it's, came in i didn't either and my friends all laughed at me and was like that's thematically appropriate yeah and it, it is. is and like it's a fine episode right it's fine um i wouldn't say it's one of the strongest enterprise episodes but yeah you no, know, but it's here we go mirror mirror it came. I think it was the, the like five of five of the one. I'm like, oh, this has got to be on somebody. So I was trying to find something. So, yeah. all right, we'll move on. As I'm fond of saying, uh, we have a, we now are sparing off for a lower decks versus a Voyager. So now April v Jen. Uh, April. Wait, did we skip one? No, you skipped. Strange one. New Worlds versus Deep Space Nine. Oh, did I actually? Skip well, it's one? still me versus April. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the people I, haven't changed. I absolutely no, I didn't. No, at uh, thirty-five versus thirty. Twenty-nine versus thirty-six. Ah, son of a B. Yes, Strange New Worlds versus a DS Nine. Uh, so take it away, Jen. Yes, we have uh, Strange New Worlds, the Elysian Kingdom. Uh, episode 8 of season 1 the USS Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale Uh, my note for this says remember those TOS episodes where they just used whatever random sets and costumes they had available Uh, this is that but elevated yeah conscience of the king remember from season 1 yeah big time Yeah, I, I love the way that it uses that trope but does it in a way that's like let's take it seriously and let's tell an actually like 
solid story where there's a reason for this that well, doesn't the, seem don't don't get ahead of yourself now yeah. just need the summary so ba- back, sorry no that's okay back to april what you leave behind season seven episode 25 and 26 it is the last adventure um for ds9 um, the Federation Alliance prepares a final invasion of Cardassia. Meanwhile, on Bajor, Kaiwin releases the Pa'wraiths from the caves, which threatens the safety of not only Bajor, but the entire Alpha Quadrant. Boo, Kaiwin, boo. Um, <laughs> and I pronounced all of that correctly. I'm fantastic with myself. <laughs> and the great news is that you get to keep talking by uh, giving your pick between the two. Yes. Um, this is a really hard one because I really enjoyed that um, that episode of Strange New Worlds. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and I definitely want to cosplay one of those costumes at yes. some point. But oh, yeah. what you leave behind is fantastic it was a great ending for the series and um yeah i can't i can't not vote for that true that missy as much as i love strange new worlds this was actually one of my least favorite episodes i wasn't big on the whole fancy fairy tale thing maybe it's because i'm not a girly girl and it was not my thing i don't know um, but again, you can't go wrong with the wrap up for DS9. It just felt like such a good way to send everybody off. Show. All right, Peter. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Elysian Kingdom. Uh, what? Okay. So, so honestly, for me, what you leave behind didn't work. Um, it felt like it got rushed together. Um, most mostly because for me, the bit with the whole. Uh, emissary storyline just got tied up way too snappy. Um, and so it left that me unsatisfied. Being, that I can agree with, um, yeah. uh, act, like the weight of it just didn't feel like it was portrayed well enough, um, which isn't necessarily their fault. Their budget got cut. Like there's lots of reasons why. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like, so for me, what you leave behind just didn't, it didn't quite make it. It's not an all good things. Um, but and Elysian Kingdom, just you could see the joy on the actors' faces as they were doing this just very true tomfoolery episode that is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm not the biggest fan of how the episode ends. I disagree with it on like a philosophical level, <laughs> but I but I love the fun that is in the episode mm-hmm. um, and how ridiculous and obnoxious it is, <laughs> and the fact that they're using Lord of the Rings swords. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> For sure. So yeah. Well, I um, you know, what you leave behind is uh, it's kind of a special moment in time for me. That aired almost as I was graduating from college. It was actually the first time I. It was actually when I was married for the first time. So it was like a very strange period of time in my life. Um, but it was it was about endings, and my life was about some endings. I was moving from you know young adolescence to adulthood, and then the characters were moving from what we knew of them to whatever you know kind of lay beyond. So that will always resonate with me. You know, when put head to head with almost anything, that will always resonate with me. 
I mean, it was it was wild about adventure, but it was also wild about like, oh, you know, Odo and Kira don't get their happy ending. Cisco goes off and he's going to do this. And, you know, Jake and Kira, that long, beautiful pullout shot from, you know, the window on the promenade all the way back into Denorius Belt and, and back into space and watching the station get smaller and smaller. It's just that at a time in my life like that, it really spoke to me personally. So that that is that's where I'm going to roll. So, Jen. This was a really difficult decision for me because I love this episode of DS9 and it is, and I love this episode of Strange New Worlds and it's two completely different like ways yeah. of loving a thing. Um, but uh, what you leave behind, uh, it just has so many more emotions for me um, because it is the culmination of all of DS9 and um DS9 is the first Star Trek show that I actually fell in love with. Like I've, I'd watched TNG, but DS9 really meant something to me at the time that it was on. So yeah. when it did, I, I think I'm still maybe bringing some of that nostalgia in the same way that you are, Charlie, because yeah. it's that, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm younger than you are, but I still just the feeling of that show and what it meant to me. And, you yeah. know, I still cry watching it, even though I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I'm totally. gonna go with what you leave behind. Does it. So does Charlie. Yes, I do. I do. I cry. I cr April will tell you, I cry more and more at more dumb things in shows as the older I get, and I'm I'm not ashamed. But uh, I do still want to give my props to the costume designs of the Elysian Kingdom because no they are gorgeous, especially Laon's dress. Like, yeah. Ugh. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. I love it. Okay, now hopefully I'm correct. Yes. We're moving on to 35 versus 30. This would be Lower Decks, Grounded, versus Voyager, Endgame, the series finale. So, <laughs> April. Yes. Grounded, Season 3, Episode 1. Mariner enlists her friends on a rogue mission to exonerate her mother as Captain Freeman faces a military tribunal for the destruction of... Of the Parklet Planet. Pa Packlet Planet. Packlet Planet. Yes. The, the ones with the biggest hats. Yes. <laughs> and Jen. Yes. Uh, Endgame. Uh, years after Voyager's return to the Alpha Quadrant, Admiral Catherine Janeway resolves to alter the past in order to help her get her crew home earlier. I can worse. You, you, you just so choked up, you just don't know what to do. No, I'm. <laughs> I can't words right now. Um, okay, that's yeah. She resolves to alter the past in order to help her crew get home sooner. There. It, series it, finale. It makes sense to me. All right. We're going around the horn. April. I hate that I'm first. Um, <laughs> we can start going backwards if you want. I don't. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You're, no, it's you're, you're still going to have the same vote, one would assume. So, I know. But go for it. Um. I'm going to go with Voyager. Um, although I, er, um, I don't know. So decisive. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to go with Endgame. I enjoyed that episode and, um, I know it was it was probably just to get the the finalize everything a little faster, but I did enjoy it. Excellent, Missy. I'm gonna go with lower decks. Uh, 
especially as far as like series finales go, the Voyager one was not my favorite. Uh, and I really enjoyed Lower Decks. Um, Mariner was not one of my favorite characters from the start. I'm still a bigger fan of Boimler. But I really like how we finally get to see her actually like stop trying to be her pain in the ass self and like, okay, there's a real life situation that I actually have to buck up and deal with now. And she's able to get it done. Yeah. Excellent. Peter. Um, this one's kind of a toss up for me um, for similar reasons to Missy. Uh, the, for me, the, the finales of Voyager and Deep Space Nine are just a little, they don't quite do it for me. Um, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I just <laughs> don't. Um, uh, I think I'll go with Grounded just because it's a good season opener. Um, where we get some good character development and also just a lot of really cheesy references and a, um, oh crap, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Is that from Cochran oh, appearance? Right. Uh, which is just amazingly hilarious. Nice. Um, so I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Lower Decks. I do like the Voyager finale, but like Deep Space Nine's, it didn't for me quite stick the landing. It needed another scene. It didn't <laughs> at it the didn't, end. It didn't fly. It didn't fly into the into the the space anomaly. I will have to go with Voyager on this one. Much like with the finale of DS Nine, this one was at a crux of my life where I was uh, going through something big. Um, I was about to have my first child. My son Noah uh, was born a month after this aired. Uh, in no wait, no, that's wrong. He turned one. He, he okay, sorry. He turned one a month after this aired and then my ex-wife and I split up. So I was going through some changes that, and then, you know, it was two years apart. So, but um, uh, yeah, it, for me, it was about endings. Um, I, I felt satisfied that um, we were finally able to do it in this way. Was not crazy about the super random pairing of seven of nine inch Chakotay, which didn't stick. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? It was the greatest. Or yeah, I agree with you. You can tell oh. me in a minute. You can tell me in a minute. Um, but uh, I, I did. Yeah, as a classic trekker, I, I thought you know, hey, they got to end it some way, and at least they spent the whole show trying to get. They didn't cheat it by saying they're voyagering, but we dumped them back home. So you know, it was a cool. You know, we saw and we saw how it resonated all the way into Picard because the damage they did to the Borg in this episode resonated into Picard. Or at least that's what I took from it. So I liked that. I liked that there were some real stakes in this and it, it affected something uh, that was real and changed. So Voyager gets my vote. So are we are we deadlocked? We're deadlocked. Jen is the the tiebreaker. I'm a tiebreaker. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm going with Lower Decks. Wow! All right! <laughs> yeah. um, I don't love Endgame. I think uh, Janeway's decision... I mean, like, I get it. I understand why she did it. And it is definitely in her character to do this. But I'm like, just the episode doesn't... Uh, God, maybe it's just the Seven and Chicote thing just sitting wrong with me because it doesn't make any sense. There's no chemistry. Why did they do that? Right. Um, but, the, but the Lower Decks episode... And this is not just a vote vote against Endgame, but it is a vote for the Lower Decks episode because I love that um, the humor lands for me. Um, I love all of the, you know, Bozeman being a theme park now. I mean, that just makes total sense to me. Uh, but, the, but the lesson in it is that 
um, Mariner needs to put a little bit more trust in the system and understand that the system works. She's not going to be getting all of the information. And she's like, but, 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 but stealing a starship to go save my friends is the Starfleet way, right? And like, right. you know, right, right, exactly. Like there's precedent for this. I'm going to do this cool, courageous, reckless thing. And there are consequences for it. Mm-hmm. So that sets up kind of her arc for that season. So I'm going with Lower Decks Grounded. Totally awesome. Okay, cool. Moving on. We got a TNG. This is our first TNG we've had in a while, so now I got to do some work. Uh, versus the Lower Decks. So this is a, a husband v. wife. Uh, April, <laughs> your episode is Mugato Gumato, and I am TNG's Yesterday's Enterprise. So let me get, I mean, I could I could, I could, could ramble it off, but I want to uh, give Jen the, the, the respect of uh, reading this summary that she found. Uh, yesterday's Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 15. While investigating a temporal rift, did someone say space anomaly? Uh, the Enterprise encounters a ghost from its own past. The USS Enterprise C, with Shooter McGavin on the crew, uh, which travels 22 years into the future and changes the course of history. With the flow of history changed, Tashiar is still alive, and the Federation is losing a decades-long war against the Klingon Empire. Jen's pivotal note, prune juice is a warrior. <laughs> Never forget and it makes you go poo or swipe. Uh, all right, April. Yes, Mugato Gamato. Um, season two, episode four. The USS Cerritos is dispatched to a planet to investigate an unexplained sighting of a dangerous Mugato. Dun, dun, dun. All right, April, you get to go first. Um, yesterday's Enterprise. Duh. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't want to jump ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, I absolutely love this episode. Yeah. So it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. All right, Missy. Short and sweet, same as April. I mean, you can't, I mean, against the two, you have to go yesterday's Enterprise. I know. It's, it's, it's kind of leading the Mugato to <laughs> the slaughter not fair. here. <laughs> so, P- Peter, I, 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 I've got a feeling. <laughs> Yesterday's Enterprise, hands down. Um, this is one of the earlier episodes where we actually had a fan story that gets brought into right. the show. Eric Stillwell, um, yeah. So this was so just a great thing there, um, but also just a really really cool story of an alternate timeline. We get to see the Enterprise C for like in person for once. Right. Um, it was the first time where I watched Tashi Yar and didn't go like, please just walk off camera. Um, <laughs> Ouch! I. Tasha Yar in season one is just rough. Um, she has her moments, but she's just hard <laughs> to watch sometimes. She, she, does like have some, she does have some not great um, moments. I will but but in, in this one, they really did a good job with the character, uh, that the, the, the dynamic of, like, I, maybe I don't exist in the uh, other timeline. And we as the audience, we know that. And so we know the weight of this decision. Um, right. The characters don't. It's a lovely use of irony. Um, <laughs> and... So there's just a lot of good stuff here with like Guinan knowing that the timeline's wrong, Picard trusting her enough to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's there's just a lot going for this episode. It's one of my favorites. So 
Okay. I love Guinan. Most deaf. Yeah, this is one. And again, this fell uh, in the time period I've mentioned before that I was never a watch it every single week uh, TNG viewer until late in season five. I started with the series. I came back here and there. Uh, but this is one I know that I caught. And it's just it's a slam dunk. It gives us one of my favorite starship designs which is the ambassador class the enterprise c i love that ship one of my least favorite and lazy bridge designs which is the enterprise c bridge that they look like here's a piece here and here's a piece there it just looks like crap but we do get we see the monster maroons and they give that nice uh no belt no shirt version that april and i wear because it's super easy um and uh, yeah from a costuming standpoint i liked it i even like those weird belts they gave everybody on the enterprise the enlisted people had like the v thing and everybody else even Joined the collar and gave him yeah. cuffs. Those were super neat. So I, the little costuming touches I really dug on. But uh, the speech uh, or the the scene uh, in the ready room, I also loved how all the lighting was was backward. So the bridge was very dark, echoing what we have now. Um, <laughs> and forward was super bright. Um, you know, Picard's ready room was super dark. The the um, the conference room was super dark. But the uh, the exchange between Tasha and Picard at the end, where she's you know I've always known the risks of wearing a starfleet uniform if i'm dying one i'd like my death to count for something where she's kind of fighting for her right to to go back and help restore history hands down plus the lower deck episode is one of the few that i went Ugh. really really the, the mugatos two of them humping and the other one stroking his horn please just, <laughs> that was that, that was that was no joy for me oh jen uh yesterday's enterprise clean sweep yeah yeah justice for it. tasha Justice for Tasha. Yeah, that was always one of the ones that while, uh, you know, watching the episode, she goes into the past, she ends up fathering uh, or mother, mothering, siring? Mothering. Mothering. She mothers a child, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and birth then to. She gives birth to. <laughs> yeah. I know, well, one of the old school term bears. Like, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're recording this on Mother's Day, so how I am. But, uh, you know, then. Um, you know, Seal says, well, they executed her. You know, you know Romulans lie a lot. So did, was yeah. she really executed? Is she still out there? I always kind of wanted to find out that she was still alive. But Star Trek what? Online, it delves into that story, oh, if you're curious. I but even curious. if she's not, she's facing death by her own choice and right. knowing what these risks are instead of getting kind of sucked into a pile of sludge. Right. You know, it's exactly. Well, it was Riker that got sucked in pilot. She just got slapped in the face with slap. She got the she got the face slap. I don't rewatch Skin of Evil when oh. I do a rewatch. I just it I so, it was so sad. I don't. Oh my god. Anyway, anyway, yesterday's Enterprise. <laughs> yes, indeed. Moving on. Okay, this is going to be me versus Missy. We have a Discovery episode, The Sound Yay. of Thunder, with or without Bob. Wasn't that was a Bob Seger? So, uh, and then I've got a uh, Picard's Imposter. So Missy. Take it away. All right. Season two, episode six, The Sound of Thunder. This is two episodes after Saru has underwent his Vahare and discovered that it is not actually fatal and that he survives it just fine. So when the new signal appears over Kaminar, he actually takes Michael Burnham and against Pike's better judgment goes to see what's investigating of Kaminar, runs into his sister not the homecoming he actually wanted. She actually is like, why did you come back here? It was better off if you just let us think you were dead. Ultimate ending of the episode, he gets a visual to figure out that it's actually a red angel. It's actually a human suit. So it gives him a little more 
idea and a little more clarity into what's going to ha- play out the rest of the season. And also we get to see Saru be badass breaking machines and putting his danger spikes into Bahul. <laughs> the whole the whole species undergoes Vahare in one push. <laughs> Boom. Evil is punished. All right. Well, I, I'm going to tell you that it's going to be hard to compete with that, but I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, Picard, uh, Imposters, uh, Season 3, Episode 5, uh, Caught by Starfleet and Facing Court Martial. Paranoia grows as Picard struggles to uncover whether a prodigal crewman from his past returned is an ally or an enemy hell-bent on destroying them all. This was the return and immediate flush of Rolaren, and changelings are Mmm, April. Um, the Sound of Thunder, hands down. Um, I loved learning more about Saru's backstory and his um, seeing this, like, complete change in his home planet. I just, I loved that storyline. And probably Dougie's best. Ooh. One of them. Gosh, Missy, where are you going to land on this one? I'm curious. Let me think about this for a minute. <laughs> I would say one of Dougie's top five for sure. Uh, no, I really did enjoy that he finally did get to go home, even if it was kind of against Starfleet orders initially. But he did, you know, by having everybody go through Vahari, he actually did change the outcome of not only the Kelpians, but also the Ba'ul. So that they kind of finally found that happy medium. Neither was predator, neither was prey. And they actually shared their technology to the point where we eventually get to see Serana piloting a ship to help them get to the next center. To, yeah, the next century. 900 years. Awesome. Totes. Peter. I'm going to have to go with imposters for one, if only one scene. Uh, the one between Picard and Roe on the holodeck. Um, that scene was absolutely amazing. It was one of those things that I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to pull off. Uh, when Roe stepped onto the onto the deck of the ship, I was like, oh boy, this is one of my favorite characters. Please treat her right. Mm. Um, and that scene, they, they managed to bring all of the pain, all of the struggle that Roe had that we saw throughout Next Generation. And that, and the, the misunderstanding between her and Picard um, Picard's overbearing expectations and Roe wanting to like live up to it and then feeling absolutely betrayed by him, rightly so, in mm-hmm. preemptive strike. Um, and just how they handled it and how they resolved that, um, I think was just the way that they handled Roe was very, very good in this episode. And so for me, Imposters has to take it because of how they handled a legacy character. Whew. That is a tough one for me because while I do agree uh, that imposters really did deliver that on, on the balance, the sound of thunder, and having a, a, such a personal affiliation for Doug Jones because he's a close personal friend of of, of many of us here who've spent time with him, I'm going to have to give it to that. You know, when you when you see a character not only launch forward but then to change the the direction, uh, and especially within a season that that was following a very clear through line, the Red Angel and what does it mean and the anomalies and yada yada yada, but to take that and then put it into you know blasting forward Saru and and that of his entire species uh in one fell swoop and evil is punished with the bowel oh 
Yeah, I watched this one actually not that long ago because I was I started after we interviewed Doug here on the show and then started a Discovery rewatch, which kind of petered off into you know how it is too much stuff to watch. So I, I haven't I haven't uh, continued, but um, but yeah, this was really great. So yeah, Discovery gets my vote uh, in this round. Jen, uh, the Sound of Thunder for this one, um, for all the reasons that have already been stated. Uh, this is I loved looking at Saru's backstory and his family um the the arc of him kind of going through the Vaharai and what it actually means and um that balance that is achieved at the end is just it's it's just so star trek like it's it's about facing the other and understanding that um and, and uncovering truths and i just I, I really like this episode this was one that kind of, I was watching Discovery and I was kind of like, eh, but like when that, when that arc with Saru and the Vaharai started, I'm like, oh, and that also in turn taught me something about my own fears. So there's something personal in that and yeah. learning to face fear and what that means and how, you know, I can deal with, um, anxieties and fears and and overcome that as well and that I could be stronger and um, when I I got to meet Doug Jones at a convention at Mission Chicago and I kind of told him that too and he just was wonderful just really warm and receptive so um yeah sound of thunder for sure yeah awesome I love it. Okay, moving right along, I'm going to stay in the driver's chair for the episode of Picard Bounty, uh, but it's going to be Carden v. Carden yet again as April talks about trials and tribulations. So, uh, Bounty is Picard, season three, episode six. Now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet's most top secretist facility uh, to expose a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn to the only soul in the galaxy who can help, an old friend. <laughs> I love Jen's notes. Picard, hey, Jordy, can you do this thing? Jordy, what? No. Jack, I'm going to steal the cloaking device now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Pretty much exactly how that storyline goes. Oh my and scene. And scene. April. Yes. Trials and Tribulations, Season 5, Episode 6. When Temporal Investigations arrives on Deep Space Nine, Cisco recounts how he and the crew of the Defiant traveled back in time to the 23rd century to prevent the assassination of Captain James T. Kirk during the original Enterprise's mission to Space Station K-7. And this is my favorite episode. I love this episode. It's so much fun. I love Dax doing the little twirl in her dress. And if you've heard her talk about it later, she says the actress, she actually said that that's how she felt when she put it on. Um, yeah. I just, I loved everything about this episode. So there is no way that that is not my vote. I got you. Even though I like Picard. I know. Missy. Uh, for the first time, I'm going to go Picard. It was one of the episodes that I liked more. It felt like you were kind of getting back into more what TNG would have been about. Um, and I really liked the fact that, you know, they played up, you know, you have to break in there. It's the top secret facility and it's got this huge, nearly impossible to penetrate, you know, security system. And you find out the security system is data. So right. that I was like, yeah, no, that works. 
So Picard. Nice. Okay, Peter. Uh, Trials and Tribulations for me. Um, I, I generally like the, uh, the anniversary episodes that were done at this point in Star Trek. Um, and this one just did it very, very well. This was one of the first times we see that, like the, the melding with the green screen of characters from present shows into actual footage of the original series. They force gumped um, it. Yeah. So it's, it's very, this one's very, very fun. It like captures some of the goofiness of that original episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but then brings our, DS9 cast into partake in the shenanigans that is trial uh, trouble tribbles um, and it gives us our hilarious we do not speak of it with outsiders <laughs> um, so there's just there's so much great silliness in that episode it's lovely um, they bring back the actor for Arn Darwin so right. there's like there's this attention to continuity attention to detail that's just fantastic um, and it, it steps ahead for me for Bounty because there's a couple moments that didn't work for me, especially with Moriarty, where we yeah. got teased that he was coming back, and then he's just like a figment of Data's imagination. Yeah. Um, so that didn't that didn't jive for me. Uh, Fair. But but yeah, Trials and Tribulations is just hysterical, and the two time agents are just Temple Investigation guys are just a stitch and a half. So. Dom- Domer and Luxley, aka Mulder and Scully, that was an anagram yep. that was created exactly. James for that. T. Kirk yes. six. Separate temporal violations. Uh, Man was a menace. Like it's just. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's no. And I remember watching this. I was I was at MSU. Uh, Oxford and I were roommates at the point, and so it was 1996, 30th anniversary. We got uh, this episode, and then the the uh, the flashback episode of Voyager, which had uh, Hikaru Sulu, uh, you know, re- returning his character in Tuvok's role on the Excelsior. But yeah, there's no doubt that this was it was highly anticipated. It was extremely well done. From, from a tech standpoint, and to listen to Ron Moore and Ira Stephen Bear and some of the other uh, writing staff talk about how over the moon and, and geeked out beyond they were creating these sets and, and doing all this and then making the little details and saying, oh, it's really the, this thing and that thing, whatever it is. It, there was Everything about this was pure joy. Everybody was just absolutely over the moon making this. It was a fun story. Uh, what I love about the Arn Darvin act, uh, actor that I noticed uh, from Trials Tribulations that he looks just like a young John Lennon in that episode, like like early, like Meet the Beatles, John Lennon, and in Trials and Tribulations, he looks like everybody's like weird old uncle. So not not a guy who aged well. Uh, it was a weird note that I picked out when I watched the episode for the first time. So yes, that one gets gets my vote hands down. Uh, Jen, Trials and Tribulations. Uh, it's fun, uh, the technical stuff that you guys had talked about. Um, I remember hearing about how they even choreographed the fight scenes differently because it was, you know, it was TOS and they fought differently just on set. So there, there was different choreography, there was different lighting, there was different, um, they tried their best to incorporate the production values. Um, and then from an in-story perspective, also they really integrated the DS9 cast very well such that it didn't interrupt the actual Trouble with Tribbles episode. Right. The, the, um, the lineup, like when Kirk's in yeah. yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I, I just really like that episode. So yeah. Cool. Good deal. All right. Moving right along. Here's one I had to, I had to, I had to lump it together because it wouldn't fit in the bracket. But uh, Peter, you're going to talk about the season four Vulcan three parter. Uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, you will, uh, 
Jen, you were Strange New Worlds, right? Not, now yes. I've gotten confused. You will be talking about Equality of Mercy. So, Peter, yes. you're up. All right. So, we have the Kushara arc from Enterprise. Um, so, when Earth's embassy on Vulcan is bombed, the investigation puts Archer and Paul on the trail of a Vulcan religious faction hiding in a treacherous desert. Sadly, the end of our favorite Admiral from Enterprise. I know. The only good Admiral we ever got, pretty much, besides Kirk. Ar- Archer and T'Pol encounter the Cyrenites, the radical group supposedly responsible for a terrorist bombing on Vulcan. Archer and T'Pol endeavor to expose an ancient Vulcan artifact to Vulcan society with the help of a not-quite-dead Surak. No dead yet! (laughs) Enterprise becomes involved in a standoff between the Vulcan and Andorian fleets, which is a common occurrence. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here. Moving on. (laughs) Oh, all right. And Jen. Uh, Equality of Mercy, episode 10 of season one. Uh, Just as Captain Pike thinks he's figured out how to escape his fate, he's visited by his future self who shows him the consequences of his actions. Season finale. Mm, April. Um, I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds. Um, I just liked the um, internal conflict that pike was going through most deaf missy yeah same strange new worlds i felt like it was a good lead to the rest of where we can probably project where pike's arc's going um but i like that you know there's that little bit of a star trek of maybe i can just cheat the system a little bit to come back and be like mm, like Kirk, probably like not gonna Kirk work out that way. <laughs> right but you're not kirk you're pike oh so strange bummer new Damn it, it's the wrong four letters. It does not spell Kirk. <laughs> oh, Peter. Um, I have to go with the Enterprise arc. Um, well, I, your your outfit would suggest that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I really like the character development here. I like how this is the this is like the turning point for the change in the Vulcans. I know it's, you know, late in the show because mm-hmm. season four is doing a lot of those, you know, hey, we need to tie into the later stuff a little we we actually need to take that we're a prequel a little bit more seriously right um so but there's some really good stuff some really good uh talking with the katra of surak um those are some really really interesting scenes between archer and surak um also the fact that like no one believed that it was possible and to paul's like oh, i don't that doesn't make any sense and then oh surprise it really is surak and <laughs> like there's just there's some really 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 good stuff here we actually see um saval finally grow a spine yes that was um, nice and do something against the vulcan high command um so there's some really really good character stuff here um and for me the strange new worlds one just kept reminding me of uh the original series episode which was hard because i kept comparing them the whole time mm-hmm. and i i prefer the the older one um so yeah understood well i will um you know i'm 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 a very typical classic trekker but i'm i'm also going to go with strange new worlds because a it's great to see the monster maroon again it's the reason that a bunch of us own it because it was made by our vendor Cosmart because it was made affordably yes it's a little different than the classic but i like it we a bunch of us recently had our pictures taken in it and april and i april and i got married in it on the cruise by todd stashwick himself so i definitely love the strange new worlds monster maroon that's just a costume note but i do love exactly that yeah he thinks well 
oh, well, maybe if I like, as to Missy's point, maybe if I can do a little tweak here and a zip there and a bid, you know, there I can find a way to save these, you know, save myself and save these kids or whatever. And then, yeah, it, you know, just like in in another end game with the Avengers, you can't you mess with time and it tends to mess back. So mm -hmm. fortunately, he was able to escape without consequences and just jump back to the past in his own little, you know, a Christmas Carol with the, the ghost, you know, the ghost of Starfleet future visiting him. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Probably definitely my favorite episode of Strange New Worlds, which April and I uh, just started a rewatch uh, in anticipation of season two starting uh, on June 15. So, uh, Jen, take us home. Uh, Strange New Worlds. Quality of mercy. Yeah, I just. You've kind of said everything that I need to say about it. Already, it's, so yeah, strange new worlds. It's been said. All right. Yep. Well, we've we've reached the 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 bottom of the first line of the bracket, and then we're going to have to scroll all the way back up. But that's okay. Uh, we have another strange new worlds uh, called, uh, of all things, strange new worlds. Um, and then we have the episode that April and I uh, of Discovery that we actually watched for this called Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> um, so strange new worlds first. Uh, episode one of the first season. When one of Pike's officers goes missing while on a secret mission for Starfleet, Pike has to come out of his self-imposed exile. He must navigate how to rescue his officer while struggling with what to do with the vision of the future he's been given. Um, my note for this is, remember everything you like about Star Trek? This is that, right from the space, the final frontier, and all the way to Pike's speech telling us exactly what we're in for. Mm, gotcha. All right, Missy. Uh, Kobayashi Maru season four episode one it's the uh initiation for season four it's the introduction to what's later going to be dubbed the DMA and the large arc for season four and it starts out very first episode we get to watch Booker go home to his quote-unquote brother and nephew on Quajan have a really great like coming of age ceremony with his nephew he goes to go back into space and boom everything he loves just destroyed right in front of him so the psychologist in me is like, holy crap, the PTSD from that has got to be massively huge. Um, but I will admit that I was not sold on the DMA aspect of it at first. Yeah. Truly, truly. Okay, April. I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds on this one. And we did rewatch it, for the Kobayashi Maru. We've seen, and yeah, we, see, we watched both of them because we, we've watched We did the first recently, three, both of them. Yeah, the first three Strange New yes. Worlds we watched just recently. Um, and I do love the, the Booker arc and, um, his, like that super emotional, but Strange New Worlds, I think it was just because it's like, it's the Star Trek we've wanted for a while and, um, we got to see it, um, coming out in Strange New Worlds and it was just a lot of fun to not have those, you know, um, series long arcs mm -hmm. um, to have I, I don't know Stranger Worlds is just it was new and fun and um, I'm enjoying watching it so this first episode was just something special it's kind of Star Wars or Star Trek keeping it casual yeah. <laughs> it's uncomplicated all right yeah. Missy uh, I mean, the Kobayashi Maru is good. I liked, again, the psychologist in me likes the Booker arc. Uh, it's going to be one of the main characters Kay and I talk about, hopefully for an actual panel on the psychology in Star Trek. Um, my favorite part of this episode, probably no surprise, is when we see Saru 
in the Kaminar High Council Chamber all by himself contemplating, do I stay here at home? Do I go back to my role in Discovery? I'm not sure what to do. And he gets the nice little nudge from Sakal of like, hey, I got this. We're good. Like, you need to do what you need to do and you need to go back out to Discovery. That being said, I'm going to go Strange New Worlds. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a reversal. <laughs> Look at that. That was a that was a long trip down the garden path to then get, <laughs> just put your leg in a bear trap. <laughs> Never oh, know with me. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. Peter. Um, I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds. Um, it was a great start. Um, a, it, a, a bit of a different take on a first contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a fun a fun yeah, the, thing. The warp bomb, which I thought was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, also, like, we had some consequences. Like, hey, you yeah. know, we're flying, we're zipping around here, and people got telescopes. And they can, um, yeah, they can see where we're so, so it was just, it was, it was an interesting look at that. And right. also just some of the, just also just reintroducing everything of like, Hey, here's the enterprise crew and all of that and getting us set on to, Hey, look, we're doing something a little bit more episodic. We're not right. doing like the whole like season long arcs as, as interesting as those can be. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a great season one, uh, season one start. Well, I, I won't. I won't speak for Jen because I don't know what she's going to say. But I'm going to back up everybody else and say, yeah, this was um, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds, definitely one of the first best first episodes of a series. You know where they? Yeah, they just really they nailed the tone. Um, you really took Pike from a character who. Uh, at the beginning of it, just, you know, wanted to go live under a rock and be the Montana hippie man. He looked like, you know, John Dutton from Yellowstone and to, to figuring out that, hey, you know what? I, I you know what? I'm, I'm Starfleet's number one. And this is why this is why we do what we do, you know, rescuing, educating, you know, helping shape the galaxy. So he, he's the dude. So he's my guy. He's my guy. Look at the hair. Um, so, yeah, that gets my vote. Jen, am I right? Strange New Worlds. Sweet. Strange new worlds. Um, the best Star Trek reflects us back at ourselves and shows us how we can be better. And that is what Pike's speech at the end that I referenced is all about. And every time I watch it, I cry and it gives me hope and it gives me feelings. And I just, it told us exactly what we're in for. And I love what we got with this whole show. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we're back up to the top of the bracket. And um, this is going to be, so we'll go a little quicker through this because you know that we've already read the the episode that's already been discussed. Um, But my episode is TNG's Chain of Command. But Peter's episode is City on the Edge of Forever. Oh, yes. So... This is a classic, sometimes heralded the best Star Trek episode of the original series ever, sometimes of any series. Who knows? Um, Kirk and Spock go back in time through the Guardian of Forever to the save Guardian McCoy. The Guardian of Forever. You're welcome. <laughs> they say to save McCoy in their own universe because as McCoy goes back in time, he saves a woman named Edith Keeler, which somehow causes the Nazis to win World War II, and time is forever shifted. So they have to go and solve this. There is a love story between Kirk and Edith, and uh, he has to allow he has to let her die in an exceptionally tragic scene near the end of the episode. 
Um, So, yeah, there you go. All right. April. Um. Yes. Chain of Command was the opposing episode. Oh, because we already did the chain of command. You're not going to go ahead and do it again. Got it. Sorry. I was like, wait a minute. Don't we have another thing to talk about? Okay. City on the Edge of Forever. Right. Ooh. Yeah. There's no disputing it. I hear that. Yeah. Missy. City on the Edge of Forever. You know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Right. Even if it's Kirk. Peter. This is actually really hard. Uh, mix here um, because I really like the stuff in Chain of Command mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah <laughs> I, was, are we I expected to, are this we, mix up but are we going to have to do a pass and come back to you do you need a couple yeah give me a pass for a second all here. right well I will go and say you without a doubt even I not being the biggest TOS fan City on the Edge of Forever yes best of the series yes potentially best of the entire franchise or certainly top three, I would say, but we'll see. That's the purpose of this exercise, but watching Kirk um, figure out that unlike with the Kobayashi Maru, this is a no win scenario. He can't beat, he can't talk his way out of it. He can't fake it. There's no other way, but to give up what ultimately he realizes is the true love of his life. He's got to let her get run over by a truck. Womp womp. That's the way it's tough work sometimes. All right, Peter, you need more time or uh, shall we give Jen a go? Yeah, give me another second. All right, Jen. <laughs> um, this is a tough one because Chain of Command right? is so good and there's right. so much in it. But um, the tragedy in City on the Edge of Forever, it's just it's a it's a it's a good story. It's a it's a the story of it is just it. it I can't say anything. It's City on the Edge of Forever. I know. I know. All right, Peter. You, 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 the, the clock is out. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go with City on the Edge of Forever for all Clean the same reasons. Clean sweep. So it as is much very... as Chain of Command is a great two-parter, right. the, the, the fact that City on the Edge of Forever manages to tell that story and right. pull your heartstrings in only 45 minutes yeah. is right. a testament to the writing capabilities. No doubt about it. Okay, moving down into, oh, we got some. We got two new competitors here. So uh, we have from Lower Deck's second contact, which I believe is the first episode of the series. And mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot. April. Yes, second contact. Season one, episode one. Ensign Tendi has her first day of work on Starfleet's USS Cerritos, where she meets three fellow support crew members, Ensigns Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford. Meanwhile, Boimler is tasked with a secret special assignment, and Rutherford attempts to keep his dating life intact while an outbreak strikes out on the ship. All right, Missy. Oh, that's a strange new world. Why did I think that was a discovery? (laughs) Uh, Jen, sorry. All right. This is Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, Episode 6. A threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life. To protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy, Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. Mm. April. These are another two episodes that are so very different from each other. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I did enjoy this episode of Leather- Lower Decks. Um, 
because it was fun and different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still going to go with um, Strange New Worlds just because it was um, a very emotional episode. I feel like Pike is always thrust into these situations where he has to um, go through some type of emotional Right. Trauma. And, it, and yes. at the end of it, he ends up melted oh, in a chair. Not a good Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you didn't 60, already know that. From, from 60 years ago. Sorry about that. Missy. <laughs> um, I agree. I really enjoyed the season opener for Lower Decks. It kind of piqued my interest. It hooked me in for the rest of it to try and see where it was going. But lift us up where suffering cannot reach. I mean, you really can't compare the two. Yeah. Oh, God. Tough stuff. Peter? Um, I have to echo that I liked Second Contact a lot. It, As we know, I was generally on the fence with New Trek early on, um, but this one actually was... This one caught me right at the beginning. I was like, I, I, this is going to be fun, and got me to watch the rest. Um, but I have to go with uh, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. Um, I really quite enjoy Star Trek episodes where they give us a moral conundrum and we're like, well, this is the obvious answer. And then our crew cannot make that decision. And then it ain't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like how we have to see the character struggle with that of, I think that this is the right decision, but it's not my call. I can't do this. I can't change this. I mean, as horrific as it is, um, Pike can't do anything about it because they're bound by right. Starfleet regulations. Right. Um, and so I think that there's there's some beauty in some Star Trek episodes where we can't come to the conclusion that we want because we have to realize that sometimes it ain't my choice. Right. Um, and so I think that for that reason alone, I know some people have some trouble with this episode because it's children, um, but I think that the message becomes a little bit more punch yeah. to get you that some of some sometimes... We can't get what we want, and um, it's not always a happy ending. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is this was really well handled. I mean, I, I, I'm right on board with the sentiment. I think this kind of cements uh, Pike as uh, Star Trek's Jack Bauer. If you're at all familiar with the show 24, which was one of my absolute favorites from Fox in the in the early aughts, always had to make the terrible decisions, and at the end of it, he was the one who suffered for it. So that that's we've run into that a lot, just even just even in these few episodes of it beginning the series. So yeah, it was tough. You're like, yeah, but the life of a kid, and but oh, but if I do that, the planet will melt or whatever. So and you know, I want to do the right thing, but we ran into that in you know TNG with the um, the Janai, the you know the 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 race that had no gender yet. One of them, you know, fell in love with Riker, and he wanted to do something about it, and. Prime directive, man, is, you know, it's just, it's, it's too late. It's too late and he's unable to do the, the right thing. So that's a tough one. But that is, again, where, where Star Trek succeeds is, is when it's sometimes uh, bound by its own principles to, um, to have to let, let that go. So, Jen. Uh, lift us where suffering cannot reach for me also. Um, over the course of this series, we see Pike struggling with tragedies. Uh, He himself is a tragic character. Mm -hmm. We keep thinking it's going to be different. You know, it's, oh, this is a new iteration of Pike. Maybe this will be, maybe this will be different. Maybe things will end up differently for him. As we saw in Quality of Mercy also, um, he's, he's encountering these tragedies that echo his own story and what we know of him. The fact that he knows 
his own fate. Um, he's in on it. You know, it's not just this irony for us as the audience. He knows it too. And that's one of the things that I love about how he's presented in this, that, that he's not just blindly going into this with, you know, the same kind of uh, abandon that someone else might. He has to be thoughtful. He has to be considerate. Um, and and the, the fate of the child is an echo of his own fate. Mm-hmm. And this whole episode is just, it's tragic and it's beautiful um, in the way that it is a story where you ask yourself, what would you do? What could you do? And is this a situation where, you know, do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? Or is this a prime directive question? It's kind of a both question. And right. there's not an easy answer. So I, I love this episode for that reason very much. Big time. All right. Okay. Moving on. Next bracket. This is going to be a tough one for me because you've got you've got a, a pretty obvious choice that we were all very unanimous with about TNG's Measure of a Man. Uh, but you're taking on one of my favorite three-parters from Enterprise, uh, Zero Hour plus Stormfront parts one and two so peter uh the enterprise one is yours all right so this is the season three ending wrap-up and the two-parter beginning of season four for enterprise um stormfront and zero hour so with the weapon the zindi weapon on its way to earth archer leads a small team to intercept it before it can strike paul leads the enterprise on a mission to destroy one of the spheres in the expanse they succeed but archer gets thrown into the past so the next season opener, Archer and his crew and his crew find themselves in Earth's past with events of World War II altered by the temporal Cold War, where the Nazis have taken over. Damn it, uh, Nazis again! Uh, with the unlikely help of Silic, Archer closes in on the temporal operative whose actions have altered Earth's past and threatened to destroy all of time. Do, do, do. April. And, and like I said, the competitor is Measure of a Man, which is seems like this is going to be a slaughter, but let's see what happens. Um, yeah, Measure of a Man. Missy. Measure of a Man. Peter. Uh. <laughs> I know, I'm so stuck! I have to go with Measure of a Man because the fil- the philosophical stuff in this in, in that is so much more weighty. Um I do really, really enjoy this Enterprise story arc, um, especially it's a great introduction to season four um, and also has some really hilarious stuff with, with like Trip and Reed as usual. Yeah. Um, so like there's there's a lot to be said for uh, Stormfront and Zero Hour as just good stories, good episodes, good character development. Um, but because of the nature of Measure of a Man, I have to, that has to take my vote. I am in 100%, word for word, almost the exact same place. I love, that. that's one of those enterprises I always go back to. In a lot of ways, you can kind of bag the rest of season three, even though it's 24 episodes, the long watch. You can watch the last two or three and then leading into this and be like, oh my God, what are, you know, you have the bad, you know, cool guys walk away from explosions of Scott Bakula <laughs> doing... Yeah, Not doing 24 run. But yes, Missy wearing a shirt. B- Missy <laughs> and I uh, talk about Quantum Leap on our other show and, and Scott Bakula's lack of uh, lack of shirtness. Um, <laughs> but y- you cannot argue with uh, with Measure of Man. It's like I said, if 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 Measure of Man is potentially the greatest, uh, if if TOS, the, the city on the edge forever is the greatest of that, this is this could be the greatest of, of TNG. And I'm, I can't discount it. So it gets my vote. 
Jen, sorry. Measure, a measure of a man. Clean sweep. Yeah. Not so difficult to quantify. Okay. All right. So we've got a returning one. Uh, we have Missy's uh, Context is for Kings versus the two-part Scorpion from Voyager. Jen, that's you. All right. Uh, season three, episode 26 and season four, episode one. Upon entering Borg space, Voyager encounters an alien race, even more powerful than the Borg and bent on destroying all life in the galaxy, leading Captain Janeway to enter into an alliance with the Borg in order to defeat them. Uh, Captain Janeway forges that alliance to defeat, to defeat species 8472, leading to a new potential crew member coming aboard, which would be Seven of Nine. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard of her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> April. Ah. <laughs> I know, right? This is hard. It's, it's supposed to be. Missy, don't do it. <laughs> I thought it. I'm going to go with Scorpion because I love Janeway and yeah. Okay. She did great work. She, she did great work. Missy, I know you're, you're the discovery fighter, but where are you going to land? I am. This is exceptionally difficult too. And in general, I'm not a huge fan of Voyager, <laughs> but compared to the two, I'm going to have to go with Scorpion. <laughs> oh, yeah. hmm. Wow. Oh, it pains so much. I know. Let's, let's, let, we'll, we'll get, we'll get Dougie to push the pause button on this segment. Uh, Peter. Um, I'm going to go with Scorpion. Uh, this is a pretty solid, um, Borg episode for Voyager, uh, one of their better ones. And we get seven of nine, which is her introduction is handled very well in this. Um, and, right. the and then brings in all the character development there. Um, and yeah, and I like how you mentioned in your note that it mentioned that it based off of one of Aesop's fables. So it's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good story building here. Right. So. I, um, this is one of the, the, the first two uh, Voyager stories that I truly loved. Uh, I mentioned recently in our talk through Voyager that I got a little disenchanted with the show early in season three and quit for uh, several months. Uh, but I ended up coming back for this episode. Um, and I was like, boom, I'm in. I'm locked in solid, you know, and it didn't have to do with the fact that Jerry Ryan is absolutely gorgeous, but her her, her character ended up being incredibly you compelling. You can't tell in this episode. You know, yeah, <laughs> you can't. Use your, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, use your imagination. But, um, but yeah, Seven of Nine, much like Worf and TNG, becomes one of the most fleshed out different characters that, that we see. Um, and, and with, you know, and more screen time than a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, newer ancillary characters. So yeah, Voyager, Voyager crushes it for me. And again, Chakotay gets a lot of great moments. Chakotay being, you know, my favorite Voyager character. He's my guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Jen. Scorpion. Clean. Yeah. Sweep. Janeway will do whatever it takes for her crew. Uh, to get them home. This highlights that. And of course, the introduction of Seven is, I mean, to see where she started and then where she ends up it's, it's is nuts. is amazing, amazing right. character arc. No, no. Even even just for, even just on Voyager and its amazing character arc. I mean, right. so to see her go even farther in where right. she is in Picard is right. wonderful. For sure. Okay. 
Now we've got a matchup that brings in uh, a victor from round one. We got TOS's Space Seed versus. I kind of feel like I know where this is going. DS9's in the pale moonlight. April. Yes, in the pale moonlight. Season 6, episode 19, with mounting losses in the Federation Dominion War. And with, sorry, I have my PDFs. <laughs> sorry. Um, and the specter of defeat, um, Captain Sisko enlists Garrick's help to persuade the Romulans to join the Federation Klingon Alliance to win the war. However, Sisko soon learns to, that to save the Federation, he may have to betray the values that he stands for. Ooh, and you get to and, you get to continue on you with your soliloquy and make your choice. And Jen's notes say he can live with it. Yeah, <laughs> computer delete entry. It's a <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, um, in the pale moonlight, oh, hands down. Um, this was a fantastic episode. I love Garrick in this episode. No doubt about it. Missy, seems like this is a softball, no pun intended, as you are a <laughs> softballer. Uh, at one point in my life. Uh, yeah, In the Pale Moonlight, it's probably one of my favorite DS9 episodes. I love how they integrate Garrick in it. And, you know, I have a little bit of a quote-unquote bad side, too. So getting the Romulans pulled back in on <laughs> the Federation, I really appreciated that, too. So, yeah, In the Pale Moonlight. Uh oh, uh oh. Do, do we have an attack cat? Is that what I heard? <laughs> Someone's probably hungry. Oh boy. We, we can take a quick pause if you need to take care of that. That's I've fine. got an auto feeder. He'll be fine. Oh, nice. All right, Peter. <sighs> as much as I love Space Seed, I'm going to have to go with In the Pale Moonlight. Um, this is a superbly acted episode. I love the fact that it brings um, Cisco's devotion to Starfleet into question. Um, his interaction with Garrick is absolutely fantastic. It's a wonderful performance from Andrew Robinson. Um, I, as you've probably heard in previous episodes on the show, I love Garrick. Garrick is my favorite character. He's the dude. Um, He's the dude. And to have hit the, the moment where Garrick, where, when Cisco comes in like all hot and bothered about everything and comes in just decks Garrick across his table... Um, and then, the, and then Garrick has this moment where he's like, you asked me and you knew what this entailed. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a great scene where you have like Cisco who's like, well, I'll just ask the spy and maybe he'll get it. And then it's like, no, you know what this yeah. is going to be. You know, this is going to be dark and dirty. Um, and then you get exactly what you asked for. Yeah. Um, so th there's just, there's really good character dynamics um, and the fact that Cisco has to like embrace that darker side and be like, you know what, this sucks, but I can live with it because this is going to end up better. Is it the right thing to do? The, the episode does not answer that. Um, and that's something that I really appreciate. Like this is war. And is this the right answer? Is this the correct moral choice? I, they don't tell you. Um, but do, is it going to help save everyone's bacon in the war? Yes, we do know that it does that. Um, and so I think for, for, yeah, because of that, this episode just takes the cake when it comes to this matchup, because as good as Space Seed is, there's just a lot going on in the pit. Right. 
It's a it's 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 a big meat sandwich rather rather to say so yeah there, there's no doubt about it um, much like with uh, a quality of mercy and then uh, you know the uh, lift us up uh, over in strange new worlds yeah you know what the the the, the good uh, cozy decision that's going to help you sleep at night is not ultimately the choice that's going to be left in your hands to make and cisco does jack bauer it and go outside and make the bad choice that makes him feel terrible um but ultimately could save billions upon billions of lives and generations and all of that simply as garrick says by uh what, what is what, the yeah. conscience of one starfleet officer exactly <laughs> very small price to pay um, for bringing bringing those rounds in the mix, so I think it's it's pretty indisputable, in my opinion, that this is the winner. So, but but Jen might go on to dispute me. So Jen, no, it's in the pale moonlight. Oh yeah, clean sweep. Yeah, I like it. Okay. All right, we roll on into uh, a repeater, the DS9 of Siege AR five five eight versus Enterprise Terra Prime two parter. So Peter. You're doing the speaking. All right. So this is the season ender for Enterprise. Se- series. Uh, series ender. Series ender. Yeah, series ender for Enterprise. Uh, Demons yeah. and Terra Prime, the 20th and 21st episode of season four. Um, this is a xenophobic faction of humanity which threatens to undermine talks to form a new coalition of planets. Gee, I wonder what that is. A human isolationist leader threatens to destroy Starfleet Command with a giant mining laser unless all aliens leave the soul system immediately oh robocop where did you go wrong the villainous peter and we also have the first attempt between humans and vulcans to have a child that ends poorly unfortunately for to paul that is a super bummer so all right april who's the who's the winner in this grouping um the siege of ar 558 without a doubt in my opinion. So I guess I've already spoken. Whoops, Missy. Um, yeah, Siege of AR-558. True. Peter, you're the Enterprise guy, but you're also the DS9 guy, so... Yeah, this this sucks. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um... Which arm are you going to cut off? <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm going to stick my neck out for Enterprise on this one. Um, as much as I love AR, Siege of AR-558, I think it's a great episode. Um, I really like to see how um, not everybody wanted to join the Federation. Um, right. We all, we like when we're seeing those Federation later in TOS, TNG, and so on, like, oh, the, inter- the, the Federation is a wonderful thing. Everyone loved it. Nope, <laughs> not everyone did. Um, and we get to see some of that xenophobia pop out of, you know, they're afraid that, you know, their culture is going to be, you know, erased because of the Federation, which is, you know, a legitimate fear, but don't throw space lasers at people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't, throw so, the space, don't throw the space laser out. And we also them. get like a nice th- callback to Colonel Green, who appears once in the Savage Curtain in TOS. So there's a nice little continuity mm-hmm. nod there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, like it's, there's some really good, powerful stuff here. And then we see like the, the next steps to form the Federation at the end of this episode. We don't see the full formation of it because that's a few years down the road, but um, just the way that this is handled and especially like the scenes between Trip and T'Pol are handled very, very well in these two episodes, how Trip is like worried about T'Pol and like they're trying to find her because she gets taken with, with the kid. Um, I mean, the, she doesn't actually bear the child. It's, the child is genetically created with, um, with 
uh, what's his face RoboCop doing bullshit. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the RoboCop bit is the, that, that's that's my fault. Sorry, um, I can't remember his name right now. For Peter some Weller, reason. Peter Thanks. Weller, but yeah, there you go. Better. Um, Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah, but but then the final scene where they're like they're struggling with what happened. Um, it, it's just a very very uh, intimate and very good scene there. Um, so there's just there's a lot of stuff about this final that I really really like. And we don't talk about what cap- happened afterwards. Um, it's because so it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Exactly. Um, but no it's yeah. So I have to stick my neck out for Enterprise here. Uh, this is this is one of the better uh, two parters that they did. Right. So. Uh, I, I will agree uh, in principle, but five five eight still wins for me for all the reasons for all the reasons we talked about. So Jen. Uh, Siege of AR five five eight. It was a it was a good fight, Enterprise. Yeah. But you, you, I had you to stick my neck out. Peter, I knew I was. I go. agree with you on that point too. Like I would have loved to see if the show had continued, where it would have gone from there with creating right. the Federation and the bumps mm-hmm. that along the way. So right. I'm 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 with you on that. Um, no, I know. I Siege of AR five five eight is just such a good it's episode. A, it's a really yeah, right. good episode. You're right. Yeah. It is. No doubt about it. Okay, Missy, you're back in the spotlight with Discovery's Coming Home versus the evil goatee of Mirror Mirror. Take it away. This is the one I will try and not cry through. Um, That's okay. Coming Home, season four, episode 13, series, uh, season finale. Um, I said it's everything that Star Trek represents. There's unity when there's a dire need to save titan to save earth to save navar and potentially the rest of the known galaxy from the dma they had to get the entire bridge crew together plus some auxiliary help to figure out a new way to communicate with a brand new species for a really intense uh first contact with the d10c um they end up making it happen. Michael Burnham for the first time faces her own personal Kobayashi Maru when she sees Booker. So she think dies immediately goes back into captain mode and is like, look, we got to get this done. Yes, it sucks, but I had my tear and we're good. Um, And then (laughs) the part that usually tears me up is I love when there's homage to other Star Trek, especially actors. So when you see uh, Admiral Vance and Tilly trying to, by as much time as they can to save Earth, and you hear that the USS Yelton actually made it out safe every time I do. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the nod back to Anton, and then the final one of, you know, who comes in to save the day is the USS Mitchell. And having met Ken and his severe struggles with ALS, that just tugs at my heart every single time. If this was the series finale for Discovery, I would have died happy. Like, this is my ultimate Star Trek episode. Man, oh, man. Well, then you have already spoken. So we, we will <laughs> kick it backwards to April, and then we'll skip over to Peter. So, April. Yes, it's hard to argue with what Missy had said, although um, this was up against Mirror Mirror, right? Right. Yeah. Although they are both good episodes, um, there's no arguing with the the struggle that was happening, um, both with Burnham and everything that was going on in this this episode. Um, I just yes, that's yeah. 
coming home. Same Z's. Well, I'll jump ahead and I'll say same Z's. Sorry, sorry, Peter. I skipped. We leapfrog. We we way leapfrogged over you. But That's yeah, okay. e- even without having rewatched this episode, just listening to Missy talk about it just now is all I need to hear. Um, while while Mirror Mirror obviously had a great message and it set up a lot that followed, included something you know very important that touches Discovery. Uh, everything that embodies Star Trek: making tough choices, sacrificing for others. Um, and then, you know, hashtag we are Starfleet, which is that's how that's how we live in this house. You know what <laughs> I mean? There's no doubt about it um, that this this is the champ for me. OK, now I'll give it back to you, Peter. Wow, you're going to make me feel like a jerk face. I'm okay, going to mirror, mirror. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> OK. Uh, and, and Jen. Uh, coming home. I think this is my favorite Discovery episode. Uh, it has everything that I like. It has the moral quandary. It has the problem being solved by communication and compassion. It has um, identifying with the other. It has a competent crew working together to solve a problem. It has a celebration of diversity. It has everyone is people, especially what we don't understand, especially what is considered other. It is, it's, it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful episode with a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. And I mean, to see Discovery come from that first season where I'm just so not sure about it and it seems so dark and, and dreary and, and to bring it into this episode that is just light and hope and just you pro- solve the problem by talking and communicating and empathizing. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful story for me. True dad. All right. Okay. Next bracket. Uh, we have returning fave, what you leave behind, which we've already talked about versus Picard season three, episode nine, Vox B O X. Um, a devastating revelation about Jack alters the course of Picard's life forever and uncovers a truth that threatens every soul in the Federation. The final battle begins as Picard and his crew race to save the galaxy from annihilation, but not without gut-wrenching cost. In Jen's notes, Borg Queen, surprise, it's me! And I left a present. <laughs> I left you a present in your, in your kids' DNA. Enjoy! Jack, this is home now. This is who I am. You can't stop me. 1701D, did you miss me? <laughs> i mean i'm i'm just gonna go ahead Th- those are all super fun notes and this was a vox was a terrific episode but i'm i'm you know i'm stranded on the island that is what you leave behind that 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 episode for me just had too too much of an emotional impact for me to to really rise above at this point so that one's gonna get my vote but we'll kick it back to april ditto cool <laughs> missy what you leave behind peter I'm going to, as much as I love the view of the Enterprise D again, I'm going with what you leave behind. Mm. Jen, are you going to make it a sweep? Pick what you pick. I, I am. It's what you leave behind. Oh, boy. It's, it, it, yeah. I, I mean, I had feelings seeing the Enterprise D again, right. too, but what you we leave behind. <laughs> Didn't we all? Okay. So now we are up to, I think this is a straight competition. Uh, and if I'm mistaken, let me know. Uh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It feels like a straight competition because it's going to be a slam dunk. We have Lower Decks Grounded, which 
April. That was one we already talked about, right? That was the one that moved mm -hmm. forward. And then we have TNG's The Best of Both Worlds. I don't even need to read the summary because I know it from heart. Uh, this is the classic Borg two-parter end of season three, beginning of season four that gave us Star Trek's first true cliffhanger. Uh, Captain Picard chosen as a voice by the Borg Collective to speak for them as they begin their first of many failed invasions of the Federation. Um, my favorite uh, uh, in-world outside of, uh, you know, real world production piece of this is Patrick Stewart, uh, a story from the summer of 1990, driving along the Pacific Coast Highway, stopping at a traffic light with in his convertible with someone pulling up next to him in another convertible and having that person and look over, see his face, jab a finger out, and say, You ruined my summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. Um, and with that being said, since I'm already talking, I'm just going to keep talking. There's no way that anything outshines the best of both worlds. This is a two parter that I actually, when the um, uh, on home video, when um, TNG was remastered in HD about 10 years ago, this was a standalone release. You could buy just this as the, it, it mailed together as a movie. And so I have it on my, on my, my yeah, I have it on my Fandango. Uh, so this is one that if I'm just like, ah, I want to watch some Star Trek, I will just I will just knock this one out. So for me, there's no there, there's no question. April. And how can you possibly put Lower Decks up against the best of us. I, I mean, do it. So hard. I know. I know. It's just, it's. So, yeah. Somebody it's had, hard to compare. Somebody had to be up against it at some point. And but, these, these yes. are just going to get harder. There's no doubt about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. The best of both worlds. Gotcha. Absolutely. Missy. Best of both worlds. Duh. Peter. I think we know what my answer is. It's the best. Okay. Of both <laughs> and, and moving on to Jen. It's the best of both worlds. Oh boy. Yes, exactly. And water is wet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see here. So we've got, uh, wait, I think we have, to, are these two new competitors? Is my yeah, they these are. are two new ones. Nice. Okay. So this is a Missy. It's Discoveries Through the Valley of Shadows and A Strange New Worlds. Spock Amok. All right, so Through the Valley of Shadows, Discovery, Season 2, Episode 12. For me, I consider this one of the episodes, or probably the episode that started Strange New Worlds. Like, yes, we had Pike and the mission to save Spock and find him before that in this season. But, you know, it kind of comes to a head with Pike's character arc of, okay, he has to go retrieve the time crystal, but he knows if he takes it, he's going to know what his fate is. And he still decides, you know, again, for the betterment of others, I have to do this. Essentially sealing his own fate that now haunts him. And then for the B plot in this episode is also one of Section 31's going rogue. So they're having to kind of go chase their rogue ship and figure out what's going on there. So I said... You get a possible film launch with Section 31. You got the start of another season with Strange New Worlds. Everybody loves two launches, one episode. Boom. I'm not even going to pull the, I'm not even extrapolate two and one out of that one, but we know what your vote is. Uh, April? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's uh, Spock. I'm going to talk about Strange New Worlds first. Oh, Thank you. Um, Yes, uh, the summary is, it's a comedy of manners when Spock has a personal visit, which is uh, his fiancée to Pring, in the middle of negotiations uh, that Spock and Captain Pike are having with an unusual alien species. Um, this is a species that uh, states that they're uh, empathic 
and uh, there's a body swap with uh, Spock and T'Pring. Uh, remember Starship Freaky Friday? Friday? This is that, but Star Trek. Oh boy, Freaky Star Trek Friday. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Hi, Jinx and Sue. Hi, Jinx and Sue. That's a, that's all right. All right, April. Sorry, not now. Back to you, April. Um, through the Valley of Shadows. Um, just like with what Missy's description, um, it it really did um bring those two pieces out it helped launch strange new worlds for sure i could see that mm-hmm. and although the strange new worlds spakamak was fun right um it just it doesn't shine in comparison no doubt missy you have made your feelings known peter um i'm gonna have to go with spakamak because i enjoyed it a bit more um the shenanigans were great mm-hmm. um we had you know, Chapel trying to cover for him, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, you know, Starship Bingo was absurd. I'm oh. glad that it exists. Oh, yeah. It's, I forgot it's about that. very stupid, but I'm glad it exists. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I, uh, well, I also, yeah, I, and Spock and Mike is not one that we've gotten to in our rewatch just yet, but you rolling me through that, those are all super fun memories. But uh, as far as, you know, my, my uh, allegiance to the character of Pike, you know, there's no doubt that this is one of those, much like Cisco said in, um, in The Pale Moonlight, I feel as though I've opened the door and stepped through it and slammed it behind me. That, that's what he's dealing with in this episode. So I think uh, there are a few that are, that could be, less important for a character that, you know, that I hold in, in such high esteem. So that one gets my vote. Jen. Uh, uh, Spock Amok. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I love this episode so much. Uh, not just the hijinks, but also the, um, each plot in this episode deals with seeing things from another point of view. Um, you have Spock and Dupring with the body swap literally doing this so that they can see from the other's point of view. Mm-hmm. You have um, Una and La'an taking part in the Enterprise bingo to see what it's like from the lower decker's point of view there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the aliens in the negotiations that um, they're trying to bring them into the Federation. And Pike is the person that figures out that all they want is for someone to see things from their point of view. And he winds up telling them, you shouldn't join the Federation. There's no reason for it. And it's like, oh, that the best thing that you can do for someone is to empathize with them and to put yourself in their shoes and to see how do they see things. And I think that's a very, very Star Trek ideal that would do a lot of people good to follow. Um, plus, it's a lot of fun. Right. And fun, yeah, and, and Strange New Worlds has has done great with giving us fun. So, mm, yeah, that that does make mine even tougher. But yeah, I mean that's so we stand. All right, let's roll it on to the next competitors. Uh, we've already talked about TNG yesterday's Enterprise, but Peter, give us In a Mirror Darkly parts one and two. So In a Mirror. Darkly, parts one and two, episodes 18 and 19 of season four of Enterprise. In the Mirror Universe, this is a completely standalone, no touching of the main characters, by the way. No touching. Commander Archer mutinies against Captain Forrest in order to save a future Earth ship, the Defiant, found in Tholian space. Nice tie into the Tholian web. The destruction of the Enterprise leaves the crew stranded aboard the Defiant, and then they learn about the alternate future 
causing the Vulcans and other aliens to attempt to uprise and take over the ship. (laughs) Ultimately, they fail. And we see the creation of the new empress of the Terran Empire, Hoshi Sato. So, Peter, you go ahead. Are you sure we're going to break tradition? You know what? I feel like traditions are just here to be broken, so do it. Okay. This was one of the first Enterprise episodes that really hooked me because I hadn't really watched it while it was coming out. didn't really have television, so it was really hard. Right Um, at the end of the show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I even saw it in a rerun, so it wasn't even like the... the I didn't see any of Enterprise while it was airing. Um, But this one really got my attention partially because like trials and tribulations it it's there's a lot of love done to the original series um they recreated the sets they did them well at like some people point out oh the original series can't be done i always point at this episode (laughs) um you can bring that stuff back and make it believable you just need to make it you just need to make it do what it's supposed to do and not Mm -hmm. treat it like cheap stuff and it'll work um but also just seeing the different mirror versions of the characters is just a lot of fun you know talking with John Billingsley on the podcast where we talked about this briefly. Like it was just fun how Flox is still like a joyful person. He just takes joy in torturing people. Like there's just that slight (laughs) twist on these characters. He's a a joyful sadist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So there's just these, these like little twists on the characters that are great. And you like, and there's still some like interesting nobility to these characters. Like it's not the, it doesn't like full flow into the mustache twirling villains that we often see in the mirror universe, especially in deep space nine. Right. Um, but like you have like Forrest is a little bit more of what we might construe as an honorable character, but he's definitely still evil. Right. Um, so like, there's a lot of things going on here and it's just, it's just so great to see like the TOS constitution come in and we have that tie in where it's like, people are like, Oh, well that ship shouldn't, it doesn't look like it'll hold a candle against the NX. And then it blows it to shreds. Um, so <laughs> right. see, like, we see that respect to the continuity of like, this is a, this is a hundred years later ship and it does its thing. Um, right. So I like how the continuity ties in and we throw in that Tholian web tie in. Um, so this is one of my favorites uh, in enterprise, maybe one of my most favorites in enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it has nothing to do with the main universe, but <laughs> it's a great, great episode. It's a, it's a gr- it's a great and they, one and they even managed to redo the entire opening of the show just that, for this two parter. That was so, pretty, which that is was, yeah, dedication. Was uh, yeah. And and they took the time to recreate that one scene from First Contact. Like there was a lot of attention okay. to detail for this, just like Trials and Tribulations. And that's one of the things that makes this episode so great. I'll, I'll throw in some sad trivia that you may or may not know. It was during, uh, in I, I believe they pinned it down to the day when they were recording the scene in part two where Archer is addressing the crew was when the crew found out the show had been canceled. Yeah. So it's just like, Oh boy. All right. Well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll resume order and kick it back to April. What's your pick? In a mirror darkly for the same, it's one of my favorite episodes. Peter Peter had a good speech. I agree. Missy. (laughs) I just first have to point out on one of your comments, Charlie, about Flox being a joyful sadist. Diagnostically, one cannot be a sadist if they do not find pleasure or joy in it. (laughs) Touche, darling. (laughs) Um, No, I have to go with Enterprise on this in a mirror darkly. I I do enjoy sometimes the mirror universe, but this is one of the ones that just tickles my fancy. I hear that. 
Gotcha. I, I absolutely have to jump on board where it is, and and I, I I do maintain everything I said about yesterday's enterprise, but this crushed it in the fact that this is the only, sta- I believe the only standalone um, episode of anything Mirror Universe related where we have zero tie-in, except for the imagining that Mirror Archer has of what he thinks his Prime Universe uh, counterpart is, the devil on his shoulder, the angel on his shoulder. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was this was spectacular. So yeah, that gets my vote. Jen? Um, yeah, we'll go with the Enterprise episode. All right. Sweep! I love yeah. it. And I and love yesterday's Enterprise too, but yeah. this I love one. It's it's these are just getting harder, and they're going to. I know so much worse. Next round, uh, Discovery's Sound of Thunder, which has already been discussed, uh, versus DS9's. It's only a paper moon, which is going to be April talking about. Yes, it's only a paper moon. Only paper at noon. (laughs) (laughs) Season seven, episode ten. It is actually um, a couple episodes, one episode after the siege of uh, a couple, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, In the aftermath of the injury that left him disabled, Nog returns to Deep Space Nine, but finds he cannot go on living his uncertain life and seeks shelter within the fictional world of Vic Fontaine in Las Vegas in 1962. And um, it's the emotion of what Nog is going through. And I thought it was a spectacular storyline for this character. Um, it That alone, um, that's the reason that I would pick this episode. Gotcha. Missy. Have to stick with the Sound of Thunder, Saru's backstory again kind of the culmination of bringing two warring species at peace for the betterment of not only themselves but other members of the galaxy totally fair peter i'm gonna go with it's only a paper moon um because of the character arc that nog goes through in this episode of how it's contained and how it's well done and ties in with uh i mean we already talked about cjf ar558 right um so just and how the how different people try to uh, handle trauma and deal with that um, and how I, I really like how that episode is handled some of the conversations between him and Vic like you have the other people try, come coming and trying to bring him out but it's Vic the one who's really kind right. of gets through them right um, gotcha. so it's just it's really I really like this episode yeah no I, I totally agree and in watching it again and again the greatest drama will make you feel things that that you probably will never deal with in your own life you know i certainly hope that I never lose a limb or, you know, I'm fighting a war or anything like that. But, you know, I was a young man at the time I saw this and, you know, there was, I, I had at one point considered a career in the military, not so far after that this was happening. Um, and that's a, that's a very real component of that. Um, but watching, watching Nog's emotional arc again, from a character, talk about a, a character with an arc. We met yeah. Nog in the first episode of DS9 and he was a, he was a teenage petty Ferengi thug stealing, uh, you know, from the storerooms on on a on a you know ravaged DS9, and in this he is a he is a Starfleet ensign uh, learning the real lessons of of war, which we've not really even really experienced with a Star Trek character. So, um, 
you know, and while the the Sound of Thunder is an exceptional episode and, and an exceptional character arc uh, for Doug Jones and Saru, this is the one that it was really staggered me when I saw it for the first time back in 1998. So yeah, that gets my vote. Jen, um, it's only a paper moon. Um, this deals with trauma, and I mean, Discovery deals with trauma too. So I think that it's. Um, fitting exceptionally difficult that these two episodes are up against each other. Right. Um, but it's only a paper moon is I too deal with my trauma by escaping to fictional realities. Um, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I watch Star Trek. So, you know, that's, that's, um, that's kind of my personal connection with this. Um, in as much as I can have a personal connection with it. Um, Nog's character arc is incredible. Um, this is a study of depression really. And, and, and the, and the post-traumatic stress and, and the depression that ensues from this, he's listening to the song by himself in his room. And Jake's like, I don't get, get out of here. And his friends are trying to help him. And, um, it's people love him and people care about him and people want him in their lives, you know, uh, Rom had a celebration that Nog didn't know about because he was with Vic in this not real thing that was real to him. Um, I I love this episode so much. Totally. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, let's move it along to uh, DS9's Trials and Tribulations, which we've already discussed. And one that we just talked about on the show, Jen and I, you and I talked about this in our last episode, yeah. Voyager, Voyager's Futures End, Parts 1 and 2. It's all yours. All right. Uh, Voyager's Futures End. After encountering a Federation time ship from the future, Voyager is sent back to 20th century Earth. Janeway tries to prevent Henry Starling from launching the time ship without altering the past. Remember the one with the whales? It's that, but Voyager. And it's the 90s. Ooh, the dream of the line 90s is alive on Voyager. April. Um. <laughs> We've got two time travel episodes up against each yeah. other. Oh, yep. boy. Um, trials and tribulations. Still, still, still good, clean fun. Missy? Trials and tribulations. Pida. I'm going to have to go with Trials and Tribulations, as entertaining as Future's End is with homeless Captain Ransom. <laughs> <laughs> Braxton. Captain Braxton. Ransom. Braxton. Ransom was the guy in Equinox. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be the iconoclast here, and I'm going to go with Future's End. This was one of my favorite episodes. We also got a very young Sarah Silverman, who's a comedian comedian that I love. But I love, you know, Tuvok in his, you know, in his tracksuit and Tom Paris. <laughs> as I said to Jen, we were recording it. Tom Paris and I uh, go to the same, we go to Target and buy our clothes because they he's dressed in an outfit that I think I owned back then. And, you know, they're driving around in a combi van and uh, Kess and Neelix are watching soap operas and uh, they have the Michigan militia guys in Arizona that capture Chicote and Torres and it just... And Ed Bigley Jr. is the villain. What else do you want? Ed Bigley Jr. sucks. Boo! But yeah, that gets my vote. <laughs> Jen. Trials and Tribulations. Oh, man. Sorry. I'm, I am so upside down on this one. But you know what? I completely... You got you to stand up for what you believe in. You got to stand up for yeah. what you believe in. All right. So we're moving on now to... 
Uh, oh, we've got we've got. Oh no, we this is in one new. There one, is so. one that's introduced. Yes, Strange New Worlds is Quality of Mercy, which you've already discussed, and then TOS the the Trouble with Trouble. See, that's when we get mixed in. So, Peter, that one's you. Yeah. So this is the one that Trials and Tribulations deals with. <laughs> yes. So this is the thirteenth episode of TOS season two. Dispute over a control of a planet brings the Enterprise to Deep Space Station K seven, where they must deal with Klingons, prickly Federation officials and a previously unknown species of small, unbearably cute, voraciously hungry, hungry, and rapidly multiplying <laughs> furry creatures known as Tribbles. This is my chicken sandwich and coffee. I want these <laughs> things off the ship. I don't care. I then into all the other food processors, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, April. To me, this is a tough one because you got two diametrically opposed episodes, but go for it. They are definitely not... The same. Um, but The Trouble of the Troubles, I just think it's a fun episode. I really enjoyed it from the beginning. Right. Missy. As much as I love the Strange New Worlds one, I think I have to go The Trouble of Triples because even if like we're thinking back to the booth with our selling triples, kids oh, come God. up to, you know, with their parents who like Star Trek, we're like, what do you introduce them to? Watch The Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> oh, my God. Jen, Jen, for context, when we were at the Grand Rapids Comic Con in Kalamazoo, that's a long story, uh, just last month, Missy was with April and myself. And uh, prior to that, uh, Missy and one of our other senior staffers on the club, Becky, had come up with an idea of selling little poof balls uh, with a little string on them that <laughs> go on a woman's hat or something and calling them Tribbles. We sold them for three bucks each donated it directly to the make-a-wish foundation of michigan we made over four hundred dollars wow yeah it was and and we ran out the first day and had to april but yeah we had to order more you can't forget about the sticker oh get in missy's brilliant idea spay or new to your triple came with the sticker <laughs> So we're we're very excited uh, going back uh, to Grand Rapids Comic Con again in November and seeing how many tribbles we can put away for charity, you know, or I should say dispersed to a good home. So anyway, total <laughs> sidebar of a story, um, Peter, uh, uh, wrapping around to Peter. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Trouble with Tribbles. It's just a great episode. Lots of goofy character moments. Yeah. Uh, it gives us Cyrano Jones exceptionally right. obnoxiously hilarious character <laughs> right um second only is, to harry harry mudd himself but much more not sleazy right exactly <laughs> so, or, or or menacing exactly as we find Ray is Mudd really Ray menacing Wilson. well yeah i guess in the discovery take in on discovery, him, but in yeah, tls sure. he is not menacing he's just a yeah He's just a dumb, dumb space Robert, pirate buffoon. Roger C. Carmel with his ridiculous mustache. I too, while you know, Quality of Mercy is such a standout episode of, of Stranger Worlds. You can't argue with the trouble with Tribbles because um, it's it's the it's the most funnest to use bad grammar episode of the original series, in my opinion. So, Jen, uh, the trouble with Tribbles. How can you go wrong? Yeah with tribbles okay oh we got two new ones here oh it's gonna, be, it's gonna be an easy one for me but once again it's the battling cardens april versus me uh april you have got lower decks terminal provocations and i have the last generation from star trek picard so you go first yes terminal provocations season one episode six the lovable but awkward Ensign Fletcher makes work difficult for Mariner and Boimler. Rutherford introduces Tendi to a holodeck training program he created, which is Badgie. Oh. To all of us from my generation, we it's very close to Clippy. the paperclip 
Mm-hmm. Yes, Clippy. Um, I absolutely love Badgie. Mm-hmm. So are you putting in your vote for Badgie already? No, no, no. You have to go through yours. All right, that's fine. Okay, The Last Generation is the series finale of Star Trek Picard from season three. Uh, in a desperate last stand, Jean-Luc Picard and generations, well, okay, two generations, of crews, both old and new, that seems a little redundant, uh, fight together to save the galaxy from the greatest threat they've ever faced as the saga of Star Trek The Next Generation comes to a thrilling, epic conclusion. What hack wrote that? <laughs> Thanks. That's, you suck, Memory Alpha. Um, okay. April. Um, yeah, this is going to have to be Picard. I, I love Badgie. It was a really fun episode. It was like, I laughed. Charlie would say, I rarely laugh. I If you ask him, I have no emotions. <laughs> um, but... You just you don't like dumb dumb comedy. That's what that's what we've determined. Yeah. Um, but Picard, it was just it just it was a perfect episode in my opinion. Punching I enjoyed all, it. Punching all the buttons, Missy. What buttons did you punch making this decision? <laughs> uh, as much as I do enjoy Badgie, um, and in vegas last year they had somebody cosplay as a double-sided badgie so you got good badgie (laughs) and bad badgie at the same time it was so great um but i'm gonna have to go with picard i had so little hope going into season three and i feel like this was like the perfect i know this was like the perfect (laughs) little bow that was like okay we they actually managed to save it with this season and they gave it a good wrap goodness peter i know that you had some criticisms about the end of picard but what do you think about this match problem is the match (laughs) (laughs) it it, it is what Um, it is you don't want to vote picard but (laughs) i really don't um i mean you'll get a chance to vote against it if it moves forward that's a good thing (laughs) yeah um I kind of feel like I have to vote Picard. The The episode worked a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because with Terminal Provocation specifically, the the plot with um, What's-His-Face and the uh, the isolinear monster that he creates. just Fletcher. Annoyed. Yeah, Fletcher. Fletcher. Yeah. Fletcher annoyed the living daylights out of me. What <laughs> like, the, the badgy bit was great, but the, but the Fletcher with Boimler and uh, Mariner plot just didn't didn't do it yeah, for me didn't really slam um, so you. for that reason only i'll i'll vote for yeah. picard it didn't really i know that a lot of people are like it really it really stuck <laughs> for me it really didn't so for me this is this is a tough picard one picard right. by horrible default well i was giddy about the last generation episode absolutely love while, while badgie is fun and we get we get badgie more than once uh as lower decks goes on so there's still plenty of time to enjoy him the last generation just really nailed it for me sure there were some real star trekky moments like oh really you know jackson ensign already and you know i made the point that you know somebody still had to be in starfleet because all the old people were, got killed and ships <laughs> got blown up so somebody had to take over um but i loved all the moments but i will say hashtag justice for Laris. she's still out there picard dumped her ass it's, that's uber cold but i still think it's a better episode so jen take the it last, home the last generation yeah yeah 
it was uh yeah it was everything that the rest of Picard was not in my <laughs> opinion yeah oh, like we yeah. weren't sure if it was gonna stick the landing and some of right. the other seasons I mean season one you know was it was fine 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 and then like yeah. the ending was weird um right. season two I don't talk about and then season no, no, three no. just like oh okay we did it we got a good one we're right. good right. and right you know all the feelings all the things we like um yeah. the setup for the new show, which may or may not be happening. We'll see. I would uh, like it. I, would. I, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. We are into the next round. Our repeater is the uh, first episode. No, we've got one more what? match for this one. Oh, we, we do. We we've got an introduction of a TNG. Um, All the way at the I, bottom. What Inner light. No, that's what I was talking about. I was saying oh, we, okay. we have a repeat that we've already talked about. Uh, Stranger oh. Worlds. I thought he was going back to the top. No, two, no, no. So. Strange, yeah, you know, we can't do that. Stranger Worlds, uh, Stranger Worlds, uh, and then one that I think is probably going to sweep the Emmys here. That would be uh, Star Trek: The Next Generations. The Inner Light. That would be uh, season five, episode twenty-five. An alien probe controls and disables Captain Picard, who wakes up as Cayman, a resident of the planet Catan. While the Enterprise crew tries to jar the probe's influence, Cayman lives through the final dying decades of his homeworld in the span of approximately 20 minutes in the form of an interactive ancestor simulation. Jen says Picard saves lives, plays the feud, and it's been like 10 minutes, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly right. He did a lot of stuff. Um, April. I love inner light some call it the best Loved call it. it the best the uh, uh, second best after the best of both worlds yeah some say and i'm one of those people that after i'm done with an episode i like i have to think like what happened after this like right. what was going through his brain afterwards right. like he lived an entire life with a family and then he's pulled out and he's back in his reality and just how would that feel emotionally right and he still has the flute. Yeah, he has a flute. So, because it, it, they hearken back to that occasionally. Yes. It's all kinds of fluting, or as uh, let's see here, the Simpsons reference with uh, Ralph Wiggum with a flute shoved up his nose, and his dad says, "That's some good fluting, boy." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so my vote is inner light. Missy. Uh, I don't know if it's just going to be different or not, but I think it hits different. I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds. Um, I had a lot of hope for it. I really like Discovery, obviously. Getting to see the launch from that, it it really kind of struck me as like, yeah, this is going to be something. This is going to be more Star Trek that's going to be solid and it's going to stay around. True, true. Peter? Um, I'm going to have to go with the inner light. Um, so... It's like just the, the character development for Picard is just great. Um, one second. One second. Someone's bothering me. So okay. You were saying, Peter? So just the character development here with Picard where he has to, like, you first see him where he's trying to figure out, like, how did I get here? How do I contact the Federation? And then at a certain point, he responds finally to his wife, like her constant attention. Like clearly it's been like a couple years of him right. doing this. And then finally he's like, I, I need to build something. And she's like, okay, what? Well, I mean, we built everything else. And he's like, right. you don't really, she's like, you don't really need my permission for that. And he's like, no, I actually do. 
a nursery. And that for me, that was like a great yeah, moment there. Totally. Where totally. he like, like he accepts the life that he has there. And then you can see how he's, he's living it. He's invested in that community. He tries to, then you see him trying to figure out like what's wrong with the planet. How can I save it? It's not just how do I get out of here? It's right. now he's part of the community and he it, clearly he's taking in the message that the probe is trying to get him to show the value of this people and their civilization. Um, but how he enters into that and he has children, the thing that Picard never was able to do during the show. During um, the show. <laughs> so, so that's, that's one of those things that I always take a little issue with some of the stuff that we see in the movies and such. It's like, I never had a family. It's like we didn't, you didn't in your main reality, but you did experience right. that. That's um, true. That, yeah. That's so, true. That is a kind of a bummer. Of an it, yeah. We kind of bounce around it a little bit. Like we recognize cause of the flute, but we don't always recognize the emotional right. impact that Picard had through being Cayman. Um, and I think it's just a really good, you know, experience life from somewhere else and live in the community, be part of the community, but also like, you know, Hey, sometimes there's things that are outside of our control, but we need to find a way to try to preserve what we can. Um, right. And that's, that's a really cool thing there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's what, it's a great episode. I really like Yeah. I totally agree. And again, this was uh, during the time when I was, I was kind of all my chips in on Star Trek. This is a, Cause this was the end of season five. This is in the spring of 92. I was in high school. Um, and yeah, I was like, what is going on here? And yeah, he's doing the, I got to get back to the ship and I'm fighting the good fight. But then, you know, you, you start to then get the picture of how, you know, time is passing rapidly and you go back to the ship and they're like, you know, you're okay. I love it. How, how Riker says when he starts to collapse, he goes, don't, don't worry. I've got you captain he's like catching him like oh they're <laughs> friends i don't know i just thought that was adorable um but yeah it, you're right at the end of it you're right peter i never really thought about how they kind of gloss over you know like when he's in the nexus and generation he's like i never knew what it was like to have a family it's like what yeah well, you, that even came up in picard and i thought that immediately i was like but you had a family yeah you had you lived like 30 years on this other planet you big yeah, grand it was it was a, a grand, grandfather yeah right. exactly yeah, so what a, what a, what a, what a ding dong. But definitely that definitely that's my pick. So Jen, this is an incredibly difficult choice for me uh, because Sophie, the inner light Sophie's is choice of Star they're, Trek. they're both amazing episodes and for similar reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, when it when they're totally different, it's easier. But with this, it's like right. it's it's about showing us something. You know, showing us another. Uh, viewpoint um i do wish that they had done more with the inner light and how it had uh impacted him i was hoping for that in picard especially when they introduce a child of his um mm -hmm. uh, woof um woof indeed yeah um strange new worlds no oh boy strange new worlds so we're split. Or, or, it jogged my memory because we had a little break. Are we split three to two for the inner light? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Inner light has oh, three. Yeah. Well, that was a tight one. Yep. Uh, we'll see. May, may come back in the future. All right. Now I'm all the way back up to the top. We are getting into the final countdown. All right. We've got TOS. The city on the this is where I go a little faster. City on the edge of forever versus strange new worlds. Lift us up where suffering cannot. Oh, this is gonna suck. Okay, well these have both been read, so we don't have to do that. But April, you're up. It's 
so hard. I know. Um, Not touching that one. Missy, you either. So I'm going to go with um, lift us where suffering can. Ooh, nice. Missy. Again, this one's a pull in both directions, but I'm going to have to go with lift us up where suffering cannot reach. Ooh. Peter? Uh, hmm. Um. Uh, as <laughs> much as it pains me, I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds. As wow. much as I like the TOS episode. I'm impressed. Um, well, because I, I, I just like the the conundrum yeah. in the end of yeah. like the tragedy is good, but I like in in TOS it's really really good. But the but just the um, I think some of the there's a there's a different way that the horrificness of the situation hits in yeah. the Strange yeah. New Worlds episode. So yeah. they're both horrible, but there's just there's something it's it's a deeper gut punch. It feels like for for the uh, Strange New Worlds episode, just be, because it's dealing with a child. You know, I'm and I kind of change gears in, in mid rim because you know, as an adult, you can appreciate oh, this woman I love. You know, I got to let her get run over by a truck. But yeah, versus a child, and and you know, a, yes, in in the case of uh, City on the Edge Forever, it was Earth, but in, in, in you know, and it was Earth and all of the Federation where this was just all planet, but it was still a child and this difficult decision and and sacrificing you know a love pie kid to do the same thing. So yeah, I'm going to go with Strange New Worlds as well. Uh, strange new worlds lift us where suffering cannot reach sweep i know surprising but i just there's something about the way that they handled it yeah for sure okay yeah we're getting we're getting down to the to the really nitty-gritty here folks (laughs) next we've got tng's measure of a man versus scorpion i think this one is easy but april you first (laughs) measure of a man right miss e Measure of a man. Yep. Pete. As much as I want to vote for Scorpion, I have to go for Measure of a Man for all the reasons <laughs> yeah. I've stated before. Same here, Measure of a Man for me. Yeah, I love Scorpion so much, and Seven's maybe my favorite character yeah. in all of Trek, but Measure of a Man, just yeah. Measure of a Man. You can't deny what they pulled off. Okay, ooh, these are going quick. Oh, we got DS9 versus DS9. (laughs) Yes, in the pale moonlight versus the siege of AR558, April. In the pale moonlight. Yeah. Missy. In the pale moonlight. Mm. Peter. I don't like this. Um, (laughs) You're not not supposed to. (laughs) Um, I think I'm going to have to go with in the pale moonlight. There's just weightier material. Agreed. Um, like the, the Siege of AR five five eight is definitely weightier material, but in a pale moonlight deals with like compromise and all of that. Yeah. And on a lighter note, Garrick. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Hard, hardly a lighter note. Well, I'm going to have to yeah. agree. There's much more meat in seeing how it really pulls apart. Uh, Avery Brooks's character of Cisco and in his performance is second to none. So that gets yeah. my vote. Jen. In the pale moonlight. All right. Clean. I, yeah. Clean sweeper Rooney. Uh, we got Discovery coming home versus DS9's What You Leave Behind. Coming home and leaving. We got coming home and leaving. Uh, <laughs> April. What You Leave Behind. 
You don't have to make a face. Your opinion is your opinion. You're like, Missy's going to punch me. <laughs> Missy. I'm three hours away. <laughs> Through the internet. What do you say? Uh, I'm still going to have to stick with coming home. You know, it, it also includes characters being in a situation where they have accepted that most of them are not going to come back, or at least that's their assumption. Um, Tilly yeah. finally finds her purpose in Starfleet. And, you know, it was okay to, you know, when Admiral Vance is like, we're not going to be able to escape. She's like, I know. It's fine. I'm okay. Intense. Peter. Um, hmm. I'm going to have to go with Deep Space Nine. Um, if only because I have a stronger connection to those characters. And so the way that those stories wrapped up was a little bit more of a, more of a thing for me. Um, Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same spot. Well, I agree with Missy that uh, the, the emotional punch of coming home is punchy um, for, for all the reasons I've said uh, with DS9, that one slaps for me. So, Jen. Coming home. Wow. Yeah. I Split. It's, yeah. it's just the most everything I said, but like, it's the communication, it's the resolve, it's it, it, it I, I cry when I watch that one. I mean, I cry when I watch What You Leave Behind, too, but like, yeah, for, for Discovery to pull this off for me when I haven't had as much of a connection to the characters as I do on DS9, I think that, that yeah. speaks to uh, a story that is just stronger for me. Right. Fair, fair. Okay. TNG's Best of Both Worlds versus Discoveries Through the Valley of Shadows. April. Um, best of Both Worlds. Missy? I'm going to stick with my disco. D D disco Apocalypse. Peter? <laughs> best of Both Worlds is probably my favorite TNG episode ever. I so I kind of have to stick with that one. It, I, I love the character. I love all basically everything about it. So I 100% agree. And yeah, definitely, definitely my fave. How about you, Jen? Best of both worlds. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, we have inner mirror. Oh, this is, this one's going to be easy. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, inner mirror darkly versus, uh, from enterprise versus DS nines. It's only a paper moon, April. Really easy, um, kind of to me in a mirror darkly. Oh, well, it's not as easy for you, Missy. I'm also gonna go with in a mirror darkly. <laughs> oh boy, it's getting less easy for me, Peter. <laughs> I'm going with in a mirror darkly. It's, I, it's one of my favorites. Uh, there's like, there's a lot, as we've mentioned before, there's a lot of good to say about it's only a paper moon, but there's just a lot of stuff that I really, really love about in a mirror darkly. So I started in one place and I ended up with another, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Enterprise on this one as well. Mm. Jen? It's only a paper moon. Ooh, sticking it out, she yes. Not yeah. change her mind. Yeah. Did not change your mind. Yeah, right. we, we, so we were allowed to swap out one episode, yeah. um, and this was the one I chose to put in, and, and I'm really happy that it made it as far as it did. Uh, Same, yeah, I, absolutely. I really <laughs> like this one. This is this is this is our March Madness. What we want to talk about real madness. Look at this next matchup: DS9's Trials and Tribulations versus TOS. 
the trouble with tribbles. <laughs> this is oh boy, not I know. Uh. This is yeah. Oh, 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 all right, April, just close your eyes and pick something. <laughs> I, I have to say trials and tribulations just because I love the way that they did it mm -hmm. underneath the foundation of what was done before. Right, right. Missy. And I'm going to have to default to the trouble with tribbles because, again, if somebody wants to get introduced to some classic Star Trek, I'm like, you have to start here. That is the bit. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I see that too, Peter. Like I said, this sucks. Um, <laughs> yep. You got it. <sighs> I think I'm going to have to go to TOS because um, without it, Trials and Tribulations wouldn't exist. Oh um, and That's it's a such point. a fun episode in itself. Like Trials yeah. and Tribulations adds a lot to it and it's wonderful. But right. Trouble with Tribbles is a standout, amazing episode by itself. So. Oh, Jen's going to end up being a tiebreaker because I'm going with DS9 on this one. I had way too much fun. And again, I watched it for the for the first time when it aired. Um, Jen's so face it, right now. It really hit me with that. And Jen's like, I have, to, I have to go now. I have to go back to my home planet. She could do it. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Um, yep, it sucks. Mm, mm, no pressure. <laughs> um, trials and tribulations. Yeah, the technical aspect of it is gonna what what's gonna put that over for me. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, the, the the way they tied it in was just amazing. So yeah, it it right. it recontextualizes the story, and it has DS nine characters right. in it, and, and also right. leaves the TOS story intact, which is yes. not something you see right. very often. Yes, you usually see a time travel story, you know, wreck stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we got we got uh, Picard's Ennui versus Picard's Ennui in uh, <laughs> Picard: The Last Generation versus TNG's The Inner Light. April. Yeah, that's really hard. Um... I'm gonna be the jerk and say it's not hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm going to go with The Last Generation. Mm, okay. That's really yeah. difficult because I really love Inner Light. Right. Right. Missy. Uh, I'm Ugh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with The Inner Light. Oh, boy. So one to one. Peter. I'm going to go with The Inner Light. I think it's just a, the, the story there is just great. And there were enough missteps in the final for me that I mm -hmm. just I can't do that one. And I'm going to put Jen into a tiebreaker because I'm <laughs> picking the last generation. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, Don't you have to feed a cat or something? Like I fed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an currently sleeping on the floor. Um, yeah. Oh boy, um, the inner light. Oh, fair. I respect. Yeah, that. it's. I, respect that. I this is hard. I love everything I that I said about the last generation, mm -hmm. but the inner light is it's this beautiful self-contained. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about ugly? This is look look how this shit goes down. I know, right? Number. Competition next next competitors, Strange New Worlds lift us up where suffering cannot, and TNG's Measure of a Man. 
Oh, oh. April. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. Why? Why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> this parachute is a knapsack. Right? Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Strange New Worlds here. Wow. Okay. I know. Yeah, I know. Really hard. I know. Well, I mean, Stranger Worlds is new, and the you know the episode of uh, of Star Trek is over thirty years old, so I don't know. But uh, Missy, lift us up. We're suffering. Can't reach. No, that's two in, Peter. I have to go with Measure of a Man. There's just oh, something boy. philosophical about it that I just really love. As much as the the unanswerable question is great in Strange New Worlds, there's just something foundational about Measure of a Man that I just right. really really. Live. Jen, I, I'm going to quit tossing you with the tiebreaker, so why don't you go next? Um, measure of a Man. It's iconic. Yeah. It's, then I it's the then best. I, yeah. I don't feel bad at all um, breaking the tie and also saying Measure of a Man. Because, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I, think it's a t- I think it's a timeless message, much like... Um, much like the city on the edge of forever is timeless, even though we kicked it out. It, it was timeless up to a point, <laughs> up to a point that it can, that it, that it can be. That well, that one just came up on the, which gut punch was bigger. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, we have two DS9 challengers now. We have in the pale yeah. moonlight versus what you leave behind. <sighs> wow. April. This is getting so hard. Um, Missy, you don't you dare. <laughs> I'm going to say in the pale moonlight. Mm-hmm. Okay, Missy, now you can dare. I'll behave, mostly. Mostly. In the pale moonlight. Mm, that's two. Peter. I'm going to have to go with in the pale moonlight because it's a great self-contained episode. Yeah. Same, Jen. In the pale moonlight. Sweep. That's a tough one for me because I do love that DS9 finale. Okay, we're getting down to it, y'all. Best of both worlds. Best of both worlds versus in a mirror darkly. Oh, April. (laughs) Yeah, it's um best of both worlds for me. Yeah, for sure, Missy. As much as I want it to be in a mirror darkly, I'm gonna have to go with best of both worlds. Mm, Peter. That's be like Missy, as much as I want Enterprise to have oh. something to say, I, get it. <laughs> I love I this episode, but Best of Both Worlds is just a you fantastic story. You got it, Jen. I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna quit st- sticking you in the in the back seat here, so yeah. you go first. It's a Best of Both Worlds. It's a sweep, y'all. Best of Both Worlds. It is. That hurts, oh, but man. you know, best of it does worlds, hurt. It's just a great it episode. Get get ready for some more hurt. Well, these are two very different episodes. We have uh, DS9's Trials and Tribulations versus TNG's The Inner Light. April. Inner Light. Yep. Missy. Inner, inner Light. Yep. Pete. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if it helps any, my votes for Trials and Tribulations. Well, let's not let's not unduly influence here. Probably, but... uh... <laughs> Dang it! Um, I'm going to be a dork and go for trials and tribulations, just for the fact that it is a love letter to Star Trek. I am going to back you up 
and trials and tribulations will move on because it just it's it's too it's too much fun. Okay, oh my god, are we all the way are is this is this the last? No, What's we're it? in the quarter. We're in the yeah, okay. final four. quarterfinals now. We're in the we're in the quarter. Well, why is this? Oh, it's in the final it's four. Too... Okay. Whoops. Yeah. Oh, geez, that's too small. Okay. Oh, so the semifinals then? Yeah. Yeah. Semifinals yes, now. Go. Okay. Oh my goodness. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Two competitors: the measure of a man versus in the pale moonlight. Chum chum chum. Mm. Measure of a man. Mm. Missy. Mm. In the pale moonlight. Ooh, one to one, Peter. Mm. <laughs> mm. I, uh, this is exceptionally frustrating. They both have great things to say. I know. Um, I'm going to lean towards in the pale moonlight as, as a break from my normal, you know, TNG mm. bias. I'm going right. to lean towards deep space nine here. Right. Um, again, and sorry, Jen, I'm putting you back in the back in the back seat because I'm going to vote for in the pale moonlight. So does that tie us up? Jen gets to split. Measure of a man. Ooh! Oh my God, ninety-five percent final com final competitor. Nope, like, best was... of both worlds versus trials okay. and tribulations. Best of both worlds versus trials and tribulations. April. Best of both worlds. Missy. Best of both worlds. Yes. Peter. It has to be best of both worlds. I mean, as much as I love Trials and Tribulations, best of both worlds was one of my first introductions to Star Trek. And There's no tie to split because that's yeah, mine as well. That's Yeah. Best yeah. of both worlds. Yeah, you got it. All right. And now we're up to 97%. Yeah, I have to shrink this so small that I can't see it. Um, our final competitors are from the, world, man. For the world of sports and the world of Star Trek. Uh, okay, forget the world of sports part. The measure of a man versus the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. Missy. Mm -hmm. Measure of a man. Peter. <sighs> I'm going to have to go with... Um, the measure of a man because of the uh, philosophical underpinnings as like the what it means to be human is something that's very foundational that a lot of people don't understand and so hmm. I think there's something foundational about it um, I will take a bullet as the host and become the tiebreaker therefore I letting Jen go next um, yeah measure of a man so two for two was that is that three for measure? Yeah. Yeah. For I measure. mean, I, I love best of both worlds. It's, it's, it's thrilling. It has a lot to say, but measure of a man is just, 
for me, that's the moment that the show became what it is. And I love what it has to say about just the nature of humanity. Like, like Peter said, like we've all said, it's iconic. It's It's measure of man. Iconic. Well, with that from your panel of experts, the number one episode of Star Trek, not including the animated series and not including Star Trek Prodigy is season two of Star Trek The Next Generation's the best of both worlds. So I'm just kidding. The Measure of a Man is the winner. <laughs> wow. Two hours and 48 minutes of the, and three bathroom breaks and somebody <laughs> walking in on Peter and a cat getting fed. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was, it was, we laughed, we cried, we hurled. Guys, this, this was absolutely spectacular. I uh, wouldn't have thought of this on my own. I'm going to actually give credit where credit is due to my hetero life mate and my business partner, Todd Oxtra, who, who gave me this concept. And I want to thank all of you guys uh, for making this happen. We could not have done it without an odd number of people. We could have gone with three, but I think five uh, really gave us a fully, because we have five people with very different takes on everything. And I think yeah. that this really fleshed it out. So, um, my God, you guys, thank you. You guys are, uh, my wife, first and foremost, April, <laughs> but the rest of you guys are such spectacular contributors uh, and and have made uh, this show the success that it has been. And I am extraordinarily grateful to all of you, um, not only for the work that you've done, for the work that we've done tonight, but then everything that we have to come as we kick into the triple digits with Code 47. So uh, with that, April, where do people find you out there on the internet? At the April Carden on Instagram. Awesome. And Missy, how about you? I am on most socials in, at, at Mama Merch. Excellent. Peter? You can find me in a lot of places at Petrus Aquinas, but I probably won't say anything. <laughs> he's, he's the strong silent type. Jen, how about you? Uh, I have a link tree, which is linktree slash Jen Watson art. Uh, you'll find my Instagram, Facebook, Etsy, lots of other projects going on. Uh, t-shirt designs, things like that. So yeah, Jen Watson art. Excellent. And you can find me uh, over on Twitter, primarily at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. Uh, April, myself, and Missy run the USS Grand Petoskey. Peter is also another one of our senior staffers. I'll keep harassing Jen until she joins, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but we are uh, based here in West Michigan. We are one of the largest chapters of the International Star Trek Fan Club in the world. I also have the pleasure of running Region 13, which includes Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're a trekker in those places or really anywhere and would love uh, to meet trekkers in your local community, drop us a line uh, at a website of that name. Uh, or on any socials and we'd be happy to help you out everybody thank you again audience thank you again here's to another great 100 episodes i'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking may you always find hope in the stars peace and long life be the starfleet you want to see in the world this podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.